passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we are live. Welcome, everybody, to our AEW All Up Post Show. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Ting. And if you're joining us on this Saturday night, thank you so much. Yes. Exciting times. I've watched so much professional wrestling today, Wei. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing pretty well. Yeah. Uh, A big day in wrestling. It was a very, very busy day. Uh, A lot of great stuff, though. So I'm hardly complaining. But... It was all, it all came like one after the other. I woke up this morning, and the first thing I did was tune in and watch some of the UFC card from China because this show was starting at three in the morning, and then uh, the main the main event came on around like eight eight a.m. or so. So I sat down and I was getting set to watch this main event, expecting that this could be a three, four, maybe five rounder. It ended in less than a minute. Mm-hmm. Zhang Weili won the UFC Women's Strawweight title. It was an unbelievable reaction uh, from the, the crowd in China. And then it was all of a sudden, it's like 9.30, and I didn't know what to do with myself. So I got out, and I I went for a jog. You did? I did. Good for you. Yeah. Went do you running. usually jog? No, I don't. Wow, that's but today awesome. today I did. I, I pushed myself. I said, I have no excuse right now. This main event ended early. I've got hours before Royal Quest starts. I'm going to go running. And I went running. Oh, that's wonderful. Did you enjoy yourself? I did. I did. It was a bit of a reality check that I, I should be doing more running. But I oh, I slept so terribly because I made... Usually coffee has no impact on me, but I had a coffee on Friday night at 9.30 p.m. And it really didn't have much of an effect on me. I went to sleep around 1.30, and it was like all the caffeine when I lay down all just took over my body maybe it just kind of like it was it was it was like stuck. it was all concentrated while i was seated and then while you're lying down and then i lay down everywhere. and that's the full effect that's how it works Dude, it was I, stuck in your feet that's I, where it was that's what happened i went to sleep around 1 30 4 o'clock i'm just i'm wired dude i'm wired wow. at four o'clock and it's just Jeez. like what did i do and i had a coffee that was the problem i blame starbucks i think starbucks it's like lethal the amount of power that they have in their coffee it has to be among the strongest don't you think uh i haven't really measured honestly all all is fine though but anyway good what did you do today way because you and i tried to break up things as much as possible i watched uh i watched all of royal quest you and i of course both watched all out i have seen most of the takeover card minus the women's title match and the last man standing match and you i know tackled the cm punk interview which i have not seen yeah, yeah, I caught that on uh, on Fight, uh, on StarCast. Um, so there's a report up there on our website, postwrestling.com. A report as well for uh, Royal Quest. So if you guys want to check that out, do that. 
And, of course, the British Wrestling Experience crew, they're going to have a show up on Sunday chatting about both Royal Quest and the NXT UK TakeOver cards. So they will go in-depth into those. Uh, needless to say, I can just a quick Coles Notes version. Royal Quest was marred by so many technical problems on Fight TV. The first half of that show was an unbelievable chore to get through. Tons of buffering issues, audio problems. You really felt for the commentators, Kevin Kelly and Gino Gambino, who they the show started with no commentary for the first match. Mm-hmm. They were trickling in. Then Gambino disappeared at one point. Then they were back on. Um, thankfully, the second half of the show was much smoother, um, much smoother. So at least the main matches uh, weren't too bad as compared to the first half. But by no means was it an enjoyable viewing experience. And the fact that it was $25, not just another new Japan world show. I think the criticism is going to be a lot louder because this was uh, above and beyond what people are used to paying for a show, but um, amazing, amazing crowd at the copper box arena. They were so lively, phenomenal main event between Kazuchika Okada and Minoru Suzuki. And, and the, the UK, the takeover card also had uh, a main event that was out of this world. Great. So there was a lot of great stuff uh, leading into All Out on Saturday. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I look forward to seeing some of those. I haven't had a chance yet, but um, let's talk about this one. Well, let's get into All Out, uh, their second hey, pay-per-view offering. Uh, and before we do that, I want to make mention this is uh, a show that, again, is sponsored by our good friends at Grapple, uh, who wanted to... Let us to let you know that the Grapple app is available for free on the Apple App Store and Google Play. It's an app that lets you rate matches from 17 different promotions around the world, creating an average rating out of 5 for every match on the card. One of the best things about Grapple is that you can see what other fans are rating as they're watching live. So you will be using Grapple tonight to see what everybody thought of each match at All In over the course of the review. Uh... They've also got ratings up there for Royal Quest and TakeOver Cardiff. So if you're short on time, it's a great tool as a reference to see what matches are worth checking out. And it's completely spoiler-free. So you simply see what what people thought of uh, the quality of the match, but you don't know who the winners are if you go on Grapple. Uh, They wanted to let us know that there's a new update out for for the app right now that just went up to the App Store and Google Play this week. So if you've had any issues installing in the past, please update and try to use it again. Uh, You can now filter your own match ratings to see your top match matches by promotion event month and year so now i can track all my top matches from 2019 uh before our end of the year special the the filter also you can use to filter out matches for all users so you can see which are the top matches of the year for any promotion or every promotion and sitting up top thus far any any predictions john what grapple rated the best match of the year so far i'm gonna say okada and osprey has topped everything Shingo Takagi versus Will Ospreay from Best of the Super Juniors. Oh, okay. That is in the lead right now with an average rating of 4.86 out of 5. Uh, so can it keep that spot by the top? I wonder what this... Uh, actually, I'm curious to know what this uh, Minoru Suzuki Okada match might have rated or anything from tonight. Uh, but anyway, download Grapple right now for free. Just search Grapple, G-R-A-P-P-L, with no E at the end, on the App Store or Google Play. And for updates, follow at Grapple App on Twitter. Do you know what list... Um probably got greatly affected today um tell me alan's top 50 uk matches of all time i think that there were some some all-timers today the list immediately outdated i mean there were two phenomenal shows today so um yes um if anyone wants to call in after we'll be chatting about all of these shows and whatever else i threw out to you a great idea for grapple for the next Starcast to rank panels panel ranking yeah panel rankings one for every topic would you say 
I, th- I think, yeah, you can just go panel by panel and rank it. Just one flat rating out of a conversation. How about a podcast ranking? Podcast system? rankings would be... We kind of have that. They kind of exist. With iTunes, but they're more download-based. So I want a quality-based star rating system for podcasts. Is it accurate that the the ratings on iTunes, they really don't mean a whole lot? That's what I hear. Oh, is that the, is that the word on the street? Yeah, they don't really have an effect on like your, your, your ranking, but they're nice to have. They're nice to have. They're a little... Ego boost now and then. Yeah. I, I also I won't lie. Sometimes I sometimes I get a kick out of the the like. It's never in between. It's either five stars or one star. Mm-hmm. And I can appreciate the one star sometimes. I I I feel like personally, it's still a, a bit of a mystery how like Apple might rate their podcasts or or rank their podcasts. In the end, whatever. Who cares? So as, as long as, as you're enjoying it, you found us, and if you enjoy, as long show, as this great. exact person that's listening to this right now has yes. a smile on their face, you, I'm happy. You, you are who we do this show for. Mm-hmm. This show is always brought to you by us for you. All out on Saturday from the Sears Center in Hoffman Estates, Illinois, yep. uh, just outside of Chicago. But for the sake of promos tonight, they're in Chicago. Yeah. Yes. Good enough. Before we go into this, I don't know if we've discussed this, but they announced that they will return to the Sears Center. Thanksgiving Eve, November the 23rd, I believe. Now, that's an interesting day because the prior weekend, WWE is running Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday at the Allstate Arena in Chicago for Survivor Series weekend. And then two days later, AEW is going to be running the Sears Center. 11,000 people. It uh, it certainly is interesting. Though, you know, with Wednesday, I don't know how much of a... Uh, I, I could see some of the traveling crowd staying and just kind of doing non-wrestling things for a couple days and staying for AEW. Possibly. You're not surprised that they are coming so coming back so quickly to this I market am. and on top of it at a time when you, th- this market's probably gone through a lot. But yeah, th- I think it's going to be a big show given it's Thanksgiving Eve, which was the traditional uh, week that Star Starcade was. I think they're going to make this a big show in the the spirit of. You know, WCW and the NWA would make Thanksgiving out to be. So I don't think it's just going to be any other TV show. Sure, yeah. And what what is your what is your take uh, for the Sears Center itself? No, no, I mean, like why they decided to make it this weekend. Um, I I I was very surprised by it. I was surprised they're going back to the Sears Center so quickly. You think they're they're trying to basically take advantage of the WWE audience that's in town? I don't even know if it's necessarily taking advantage of it because, like you, I, I don't see Survivor Series as a big travel weekend. If anything, I would say if I was someone that maybe I'm interested in Survivor Series, maybe not. The fact that AEW is going there, maybe I do want to go there for Survivor Series and stick around till Wednesday for AEW. I think in a weird way, it actually might help WWE's weekend if you know that AEW is going to be there several days later. But Wednesday is difficult, though. It's a really weird day. You have that yeah. dead day on Tuesday. It's not travel time for a middle of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I'm surprised. I think AEW, like Chicago is a market that has been asked of a lot of all these yep. different promotions. Let's for very smaller, but ROH is running there. Bound for Glory is going to be there. Mm-hmm. You're doing four nights of WWE there. AEW is now going back there again for TV. Mm-hmm. Like it's a market that it's... But if you're, do but, you run a show like All Out and then you come back with a TV taping and it's going to be less than? I think, though, if you manage to sell out a 10,000-seat arena that quickly two years in a row now, I feel like you you really don't have that much to lose. And I wouldn't be so surprised if this market is able to handle a, a show this quickly again. Maybe it will. Do you think it's yeah. it's going to sell out? 
Well, the other shows haven't sold out yet, right? The We've seen ones. the last two yeah. um, kind of things have come back to earth. And Chicago it's not... is different, though. I feel like by November twenty third, um, but this is minus Starcast. It's not a pay per view. Mm, yeah. It's you're not going to get as much of the traveling audience, but I think the local audience will still. I mean, I wonder how it remains to be seen how much of an effect scalpers might have had on on everything as well. But right. um, I I I don't predict as quick of a sellout. But again, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they did for Chicago. So Saturday night, uh, they were at the Spirit Center, and this one was an immediate sellout. A very successful show for them uh, going into this. We start off on the buy-in pre-show, and we've got the Golden Boy, Alex Mendez, along with Excalibur, calling the two pre-show matches, and they did not waste any time. This pre-show started at 7 o'clock, and by 7.01, Justin Roberts was introducing the participants in the 21-woman Casino Battle Royale. So those unfamiliar... It would be groups of five, four groups of five that would enter at intervals, and then we'd have the Joker, the one participant at the end who is uh, going to be a mystery. So our first five are already in the ring, Nyla Rose, Fabi Apache, Priscilla Kelly, Leva Bates, and Shalandra Royale, who were uh, uh, some of these we were seeing in AEW for the first time. And... They tried to do a clever spot early on where Bates is kind of uh, sent to the floor, but Peter Avalon has set up the library books on the floor for her to land on and then step on these strategically placed library books. Um, Kofi Kingston, this was not. No, I, I hated this, and I almost feel like at this point, this was a spot designed to enrage critics of the librarian, just to kind of further the, the narrative that they've tried, been trying to tell on BTE is that they know that this gimmick is terrible. Um, and especially Leva Bates, who wants to no longer portray this librarian, yet they continue to force her to do it. So uh, I, I haven't really been on online to see what the backlash might have been for this spot. But I feel like this was just a spot that was so stupid that was done to get people angry. Yeah, I, I don't know how if like there was a uh, much emotion behind it at all. I mean, it was it was brief, but it was still um, yeah, it was it was still there. Um, <laughs> pretty much Nyla Rose was here to just clear clean house on everybody and got rid of the four within the, the time. And then our next five, the diamonds were Penelope Ford, Shazza McKenzie, Sadie Gibbs, Big Swole and Dr. Britt Baker. And immediately uh, Britt Baker goes, uh, charges towards the ring and is going, oh, th that would be afterwards uh, with the next group where she would charge uh, someone. Uh, Rose elimin eliminated Big Swole and uh, Ford. And again, it's Nyla Rose just playing the monster, eliminating everybody in pretty quick fashion. Big Swole got a really big reaction. Um, you know, uh, people will remember her from the Mayon Classic. She is Cedric Alexander's wife. Uh, and she, I could definitely see them picking up. The following group, Ivelisse, B. Priestley, Awesome Kong, Tennille Dashwood, and Brandy Rhodes. And this is where Baker storms the ramp and goes after B. Priestley, playing off their issue from Fight for the Fallen. And that was the big feud coming out of this match that they were setting you in the direction of. Mm -hmm. uh, Brandy was out there with Awesome Kong. So you had Kong essentially playing the bodyguard role throughout this. Um, it wasn't like a a big role for awesome Kong. It was very brief and kind of just linked with awesome Kong for the time that she was in there. Yeah. There's like a, I, I would say the big spot that she had was sort of like the four way between like what they, they considered the, the four big monsters that came after the, the next tier came out. Right. So it continues here. Brandy hit 
uh, Rose with a stunner, and then Kong placed Ivalice on her shoulders and started just swinging around like the Terry Funk ladder spot. And then Kong uh, continued here attacking until we got our next five, which were Ali, Nicole Savoy, Teal Piper, ODB, and Jazz. And it seemed that ODB and Jazz got pretty good receptions coming mm-hmm. out, uh, although they was brief that they would be a part of this match. Uh, Piper uh, did her father's spots by poking ODB in the eyes and then applied a sleeper and she got sent through the middle rope and then had to come back in and be sent over the top. Um, it makes you wonder if she was supposed to go over the top rope the first time. I think she was because she mean, immediately came in to be dumped out. It almost doesn't matter because the camera cut away at the worst spot anyway. So in a way, it uh, kind of saved it. But then again, like having her come back to do it, you know, you, you could tell she has she is extremely zero great. experience like none like even putting on the sleeper it was like you know a celebrity coming in and, and putting on a sleeper but i think it was a sentimentality of like having roddy piper's daughter there um if she continues her training i imagine someday she she might get a spot but i feel like she's still a long ways away from it i don't see her being a regular part of the of the roster now that it's over i kind of question why did it have to be this show it sure. wasn't like this was any kind of memorable part yeah. it's let her get it, her reps in, train her, build her up as Roddy Piper's daughter, and do this right. Instead is, of this, will never be referenced she, again in her. Yeah, career. well, she's so far away. I think from an actual debut, in my opinion, that I don't. Th- I think this will be completely forgotten by the time she actually does that. I thought it was forgotten so. during the match. Like it meant nothing. Yeah, you, it wasn't it, played up. It wasn't a big spot. Well, as far as like who was forgotten, you could say that about like you know ninety percent of the people that were here, and they really were just bodies that that to fill out this twenty-one person roster. Uh, the Joker was Mercedes Martinez, and she comes out. Uh, where in this was uh, Nicole Savoy? Because I, I... What do you love... mean? Nicole Savoy was in this She was point. in the latest tier with Ali and, and Teal Piper and ODB and Jazz. Okay, I thought maybe I... I... Okay, yeah, I did mention yeah, yeah, yeah. her. So anyway, she's yeah. out. Mercedes Martinez is the last one out. She's the Joker. Um, it was an interesting choice for a final participant. Usually, you know, I, I mean, last time it was Hangman Page, so... Mercedes Martinez is certainly somebody who's recognized, but I would say by more, I think a bit more of a hardcore audience, you know, maybe more of an NXT audience, but it's not like she was a big star. None, nevertheless, she got a big reaction. She did more than I thought. There were holy shit chants for <laughs> Mercedes Martinez. Uh, and she, like, no one got a huge spotlight in this, but she got a bit of one, as did Savoy, and I thought those two looked very good. Um and then we just went through rapid fire eliminations here. Brandy got tossed out. Not really any kind of significant elimination. It was just an afterthought. Uh, Rose then tossed Allie out. Gibbs attempted to skin the cat and Priestley just shoved her out. Martinez then was super kicked off the apron and out. So we're down to Britt Baker, B. Priestley, and Nyla Rose. And the idea is B. Priestley and Baker hate one another, but for strat- strategy, they should work together to take on the bigger Nyla Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, Rose tried this cartwheel kick off of the edge of the apron to avoid elimination and then baker hit a destroyer onto Priestley, and then baker eliminated her with a forearm strike to send her out and the ending was the famous finish of the 1992 royal rumble where hulk hogan is eliminated and then he grabs sid justice's arm allowing rick flair to come from behind to dump sid over it's actually a really shitty move by hogan as the baby face to do this uh and the the spot is Priestley grabbing Baker's arm, allowing Nyla Rose to eliminate her. And not really a monster spot for Nyla Rose to win this that she had been programmed to do all match. She just kind of um, comes from behind and eliminates Baker. So it goes 20 minutes, 34 seconds. 
The positive is I think the actual execution was far better than the first one, mm. but still a lot of sloppiness in this match. You had varying degrees of experience. There was so many people to try and keep track of uh, mixed in with the eliminations that even at 20 minutes, I found this to be a big blur and yeah. it, it was it was hardly um, a home run. I, I agree with that. I thought it was better than the first one, a little better organized. At least this time we had like announcements for everybody which is more than i could say for the last one and they tried to like pace them a little so it wasn't just like boom 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 it's like breathe in between each entrance if given the time i'm I'm sure they would have done individual entrances which is what i had hoped that they would they would have done here but you know by the end of it you're kind of left with like you know a foggy memory of who was actually uh, uh in this match however i will say i think the final three final four uh, managed to make a pretty good impression. I remember Mercedes Martinez. I remember B. Priestley. I remember Britt Baker. And I certainly remember Nyla Rose. And if in 30 minutes' time you're able to get four talents over and put significant spotlight on them, I would say that's an overall net positive. Yeah, that's fair. I think it it comes down to, for me, this is a concept that uh, whatever you want to say about the Royal Rumble, no one ever leaves that saying, you know, this format really sucks. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves that format. I don't think it's one that needs a big reinvention to it. But But... Can you do a Royal Rumble in 30 minutes? Uh, do, do you need to be doing a 21-woman Battle Royal in 20 point. minutes? That's a good point, sure. Um, so Nyla Rose now is one half of the match that will take place on the first episode. The other half will be decided tonight when Riho takes on Hikaru Shida. Did they ever mention why Riho and Shida was for the other half? Uh, maybe their records warranted it. Okay. We that, the, uh, if if you gave me that response, I would totally buy it. Well, but. I'm I'm trying to come up with a reason. I can't I can't tell you definitively. That's fine. Uh, we did have the graphics tonight where they had records where it was singles record, overall record. Mm-hmm. Although some didn't come with any records. Didn't have it. Yeah. Even if they like Pac, for instance, he's never had a match, but he did have the graphic for the records. But Jimmy Havoc did not. Jimmy Havoc, who has been in matches, did not have it. Right. So it wasn't very consistent. Yeah, I imagine a lot of these things still have to be fleshed out, but at least you could tell that they are playing with the idea of records and uh, making sure that every match means something. Grapple gives this match, the Battle Royal, 2.14. 2.14. Yep, yep, that's about where I could go with it. Uh, I, I don't know where we can necessarily insert this, but what did you think about the production elements on this show? A lot of a lot of videos for the different yeah. talent. Uh, I, I thought they did a really good job with a lot of the different elements. The style of the videos uh, felt very much like, like they were same as the road to. I wouldn't be surprised if it was the same crew that was handling all the production. And they were like, you know, pretty good videos. I will say, I think because we haven't had like proper television, I think you're, you, you kind of had a real mishmash of like Really just kind of singular promos. And granted, they're actually really excellent promos, like the Jericho one. Uh, even the Page one I thought was pr- pretty good uh, from weeks back. So you just kind of had like cut up pieces of that. But like, you know, the cold open was done really well. Um, I-, I would say, you know, overall it was good. Uh, not on a WWE level by any means. Um, not on a New Japan level I think either. But I think... Oh my the- God, dude, the-, the videos today, especially Okada and Suzuki. Yeah? They were so good. Oh man, awesome. Um, next up was Private Party against Angelico and Jack Evans, still part of the pre-show. Uh, Mark Quinn did this flip and lost his glasses, and then Jack Evans just kicked the glasses to the floor. And the card booed. Yeah. So, it almost is setting up Jack Evans for an eventual Orange Cassidy showdown. Glasses match. Or, yeah, Mark Quinn and Orange Cassidy mm-hmm. together, perhaps. Um, 
this was really it was it was a showcase especially for Isaiah Cassidy I think to come in and work with Angelico as well as Evans too a lot of uh Tandem offense from Cassidy and from Quinn, including uh, an assisted blockbuster and then a Shiranui. Evans came back, hit an assisted 450 onto Cassidy, and then the finish saw Mark Quinn leap onto Evans with an avalanche poison Rana off the second turnbuckle. Then Cassidy hit an inverted Rana, and it ends with a flying version that sent Angelico off the turnbuckle into a cutter that they called Gin and Juice, and Private Party got the win at 11 minutes, 34 seconds. I thought it was a good match. It was an impressive showcase for Private Party. A lot of innovative double T moves. You know, not I wouldn't say everything looked perfect in this match, but I thought it was enough to, to impress this crowd who really already liked Private Party prior to this. Great theme song, too. I think they've got a really mm-hmm. solid theme. Uh, so they were pushing Private Party, taking on the Young Bucks, which will be on the second week's TV on October the 9th in the tag tournament. Then they aired this cool vignette. Uh, post-match here. Wait, oh, that's right. We got the... Uh, and Helico and Evans uh, basically do the whole double baby face lifting each other's arms thing. And then Helico and Evans turn on them and they attack. Yes. And so, there's a party poopers chant. Party poopers. Which I think is, you know, uh, any type of character right now is good for an act like uh, Helico and Jack Evans, who really are just like, if you haven't seen them before, they just come across as these generic guys who are dressed really poorly in neon <laughs> clothing. Uh, so it gives them some kind of identity. So the vignette was uh, for... Oh, 3.03 from Grapple. Okay. Uh, so the new character is called Wardlow, who is a guy, I think, based out of Cleveland. And they shot this in a, like, a really cool style. They were on a rooftop. And this guy, he has a valet, takes off his shirt, and there's these four guys that are challenging him to fight. And it's like this slow motion action scene where he beats the shit out of these four guys. The last one being with a choke slam. So they've already established this guy's finisher. I thought this was a really cool vignette to introduce someone that I don't think many people knew about coming into this show. I thought it was cool too. Yeah, it it, it automatically made him feel special. I have not heard of this dude before. I don't know where he's from. I don't know what prior prior wrestling he's done, Uh, but they made it look cool. And then Jen Decker, we had all this discussion, Way, about what would the backstage interview situation be like. We got one interview on this show, and it was on the pre-show with Jen Decker and MJF, and that was right. it. She's probably on the post-show, too. Which That's right. They were doing a post-show that we haven't watched, so maybe um, others were... Somebody in the chat room saying it, it already ended, like, 15 minutes in, so I don't... I, I mean... Maybe brief, actually longer. post-show. Well, 25, because maybe because cause the show ended 11.50, so... That's yeah, right. Anyway, I haven't seen it, but I'm I'm assuming she was on that. I mean, is who else? Like, what about Chris Van Vliet and Alicia Tout? Are they still part of the? I mean, they were all there thing? in Chicago. They were there right. for Starcast, so I I was assuming they would be utilized somewhere here. Okay, but we didn't see them. Yep. Uh, MJF was just asked why he wasn't booked on the card. He said he didn't want a match on this show and cut a promo on Sean Spears. The way they would tease this later, you certainly thought they were going in a direction with MJF from this promo, and I think by design, they wanted you to think that way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Overall, what are your thoughts on the buy-in? I mean, there was... It was very action-packed. I mean, there was no... Outside of the final five minutes where they brought Jim Ross out, they kind of just teed up the pay-per-view, which was fine. There was no downtime on this pay-per-view, or Mm -hmm. on the buy-in. It was immediately to the matches. I thought it was fine. I I don't think that this is an hour where you watch it and suddenly you're 
saying, you know what, I want to buy this show. It was it's a nice add on if you're I, already I, invested in watching the whole night. Yeah, yeah. I wonder really how, like what they could do to like you know uh, f- beyond like showing you. I think like these video packages um all exclusively on the buy in. I'm not sure how much more they could. I guess like what. Uh, promos or what have it had the main event cut promos maybe i mean I'm maybe sure. that's it, it depends what the objective is if it's just to simply fill an hour then i'm fine I think with it's this to give airtime to like your growing roster of talent that kind of needs it if, it, if it's know? to sell people at the last minute on the pay-per-view then i would say maybe you do need some more promotional elements on this right. more promos more videos did it air the uh, jericho Pac video uh prior to this though uh in in the buy-in i mean but right. I, I i thought you know by sheer fact that there was very little to complain about on this buy-in. I already feel like it was probably the best buy-in that they've Oh, I think so, too. I didn't see much complaining at all about this. So Jim Ross is out, so we got the three-man booth. And just off the top, what did you think about the, this version of Excalibur, Jim Ross, and Alex Mendes? I like them a lot. I, I did, too. I thought it was the best that they... The, the commentary team sounded, probably. Yeah, I, I thought Jericho... Um, Jericho. I thought Ross really thrived in the final three matches where you had personal issues that he could really drill in and even Pac Omega I thought he was good too actually Pac Omega yeah. he was into a lot and we'll talk about the hardcore match and that that was like something interesting as well but we'll we'll get into that but Alex Mendez I think has been you he's know great r- really great he's he's I think in, reinvigorated the team um and, and just kind of he obviously is incredibly knowledgeable and he's comes from at least he sounds to be like a professional broadcaster whereas i think excalibur comes maybe more from like ex- you know incredibly knowledgeable uh, uh wrestling uh, uh commentator but i don't know how much of a professional broadcasting background he might come from i think golden boy his voice kind of adds that that bit of professional and he knows his spot in the like yes. he defers to those two as the experts and he he plays the third man well, but he is not out of place by any stretch. Yeah. I think he's a great hire by them. Like, I and think- and I would imagine he he won himself that job from doing the the mm-hmm. CEO shows. That I wouldn't imagine he was on their radar until they heard him. And the fan demand was was there afterwards. Yeah, so, so good yeah. for them. And I also like the fact that they're not um, just digging their heels in on something that is not working. They're very fluid and will make changes when they deem them necessary instead mm-hmm. of just fighting against the current. Marvez was uh, doing the post show. He was doing the post show. Opener was on the main show, SCU, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky against the Jurassic Express, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt. Uh, SCU, they are great in this opening role. They come out. It's a little jarring in this because they're total baby faces. Mm-hmm. They don't fight it at all. And they're taking on an even bigger baby face team in the Jurassic Express. They kind of like in the match. The, it's, excuse me. In the match itself, they kind of played heels. But in this opening promo, it was like Daniel's kind of cut, cutting like a rallying cry. Yep. You know, like a year ago, people, somebody made a bet. They didn't think we could do it. And we, we did it. You know, so you wanted to cheer SCU. And of course, people want to cheer SCU anyway. But uh, in the match itself... It's hard to go against this Jurassic Express, who really, uh, as far as like AEW original teams might might go, are already co- completely, completely tearing it up. You know, we kind of discussed. I mean, they had a really great act in Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. How's Marco Stunt gonna fit? They've got it down. He fits in perfectly. It's it works. He adds to the team absolutely. Like just the entrance where they come out and Jungle Boy's on the shoulders yeah. and Marco's running around in circles mm-hmm. through like, the legs. 
It was great. It was awesome. I mean, awesome. these three. The, just... the opening we should mention, by the way, the Titantron is like the, oh, the camera oh, shakes. It's, it's and the, then it it's cuts, a cup of water from Jurassic it Park. It cuts the cup of water on the screen that's shaking at, a la Jurassic Park. Oh, really, it really was, cool. It was really, really good. Yeah. Uh, they got the heat on Jungle Boy at the beginning. Daniels is mocking Marco's stunt by trying to floss. Um, the hot tag gets made to Luchasaurus, who attacks all three SCU members. This guy is going to be the breakout star i feel of someone that was just signed for comedy purposes that could be a real player here in aw i think luchasaurus is going to be like to me he is uh he is going to be their cane that can work with all the top guys that can work because he's a big big guy in a mask because he can do he's got the size uh looks deceptively like his jungle boy x-pac uh sure Oh yeah, he's 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 a he's a he's a he's a really good version of Kane. But sure. this is this is a guy that he can do these six mans. Yeah. But if you wanted to put him in a singles program for a month with someone, he could be bought in that role. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it just yet. You Not know? yet. I, I think he's so great as part of this tag team and really a, a part of this trios. It's like the the contrast is wonderful because like you have Jungle Boy who already makes uh, Luchasaurus look like a giant, but then you have Marco Stunt there who. Kind of makes Jungle Boy look like an average, normal-sized person, <laughs> but makes Luchasaurus look like a monster. So, yeah. Uh, Luchasaurus hit these spinning wheel kicks that look great and a choke slam onto Kazarian. Uh, SCU came back. They hit a triple-team celebrity rehab onto Luchasaurus and then took him out on the floor. And uh, Daniels then leaped to the floor with a Hurricane Rana. And back inside, they lifted up Stunt and Jungle Boy together. Uh, with Kazarian holding them and hit a double best melter ever onto the two of them. And Marco Stunt took the fall. 11 minutes, 42 seconds, SCU wins. Yeah, does that surprise you at all? It did. I thought this was just going to be your standard uh, big babyface win off the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, your, your bigger, ba- your larger babyface win uh, with Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt winning. I, I thought for sure they'd win this. I think they're trying to maybe push the fact that SCU, one, once they're together, are a serious threat and they can't lose. So um, maybe there's that. And also notable that it wasn't Luchasaurus taking the pinfall. No, so, no, no. It was Marco Stunt, which is probably the most expendable of the three that is not going to be protected. But a spectacular finish, I thought. Really, really. Yeah, and uh, Kazarian lifted these two with yeah. like out like with ease. I I love already this this Jurassic Express. I think it was a great showcase for them in this match. I'm not um, sold on the name yet. Really. I, I think it works. It's not the Viking experience, okay? Like, it's way better than that. Would you rather the Jurassic experience? Or... The Jurassic experience. <laughs> uh, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. But, you the know, name I, is going to have to grow on me. I, I, I just love the... Di- whatever they're called, I, I love the di- dynamic of the three. It's like one giant guy and two small dudes, and I think it works so well. Uh, they're visually just, like, fun and spectacular in ring. So, uh, Grapple rates this one. Oh, God. Um, I got to... Look it up again. 3.4. Uh, no. Lower. Fuck, you're right. 3.46. Damn. Damn. I, I, I don't even need to check the app. I, I've got my pulse <laughs> on the on the wrestling world and how they view Damn. matches. Uh, Kenny Omega versus Pac. Very interesting, the placement of this going on yeah. second on the pay-per-view. I was thinking more about it. And first of all, it's, you know, the fact that this is a non-title match and there are two title matches later on on the show. I also had to believe that maybe this would have allowed him to agent the Joshi match to come after this. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I personally don't mind it. I think it spaces things out a little bit more. Certainly, like, if you're Kenny Omega and Pac, I think seeing the length of this show 
this was probably the better spot to be in. You do want to space out things. And, th- and th- there were matches later that I think could have gone on earlier um, mm. as well. So I didn't mind this going on at, at this particular time. They did get uh, quite a lot of time uh, early on. The idea is that Pac has him scouted because he goes for the Kataru crusher and Pac just flips over landing on his feet. Looked very impressive here. And they're trying to say that Kenny Omega was the best wrestler in New Japan. But then since coming to AEW, he's lost to Chris Jericho and he's trying to get back on track. And he's been in this uh, bit of a slump and you can even see he did the uh, the you can't escape spot and it was so clear he was purposely trying to screw it up on his way to, to the ropes like you can see when someone legitimately botches something and it just looked as though he was purposely trying to be one step off uh, with it as well that they were calling attention to as well. Um, so that's kind of the early portion of, of the match. Pac landed this top rope moonsault to the floor, and this was the first of numerous guys landing onto the guardrail. Mm-hmm. And they're using like the the old metal guardrails. And man, Omega smashed onto this in this match. Pac shattered his ankle. It didn't shatter his ankle, but his ankle smashed into this on the way down. That man, I I think if you're going to use these guardrails, there should be more space. Yeah. WWE uses like the big barricades but now these guys that are rest- a lot safer. But these guys hardly wrestle in spaces that you know are are that accommodating everywhere else. I'm sure they've wrestled in places with less space. So you figure, but that you don't have to now. I mean, they don't just- have to. But I mean, I yeah, I, it just makes me wonder. Like, were were these mistakes, or or, or did they intend on you know? I don't think Pac was like that look on his face after his ankle. I don't <laughs> think he was thinking. Oh. Perfect. God, uh, <laughs> it yeah. looked like he just drilled his ankle yeah. upon landing on that top rope moonsault because there was just not enough room there. Um, Omega hit Pac with a buckle bomb and a lowdown, and then Pac used the referee Paul Turner to create a distraction. Uh, but Omega still went ahead. Ushiguroshi, V-Trigger, and then goes for the one-winged angel. Pac fought it off, so Omega turned it into Kreutz Wrath mm-hmm. for a two-count. Not a move that he uses uh, all too frequently. Each tried reverse Hurricane Rana's with Pac countering the last one and attempted to hit it, but they really messed this up, the reverse Hurricane Rana. Um, yes. This this did not look to be um, a screw-up that was planned. <laughs> no, it didn't. Uh, and then Omega went for the one-winged angel. Pac turned it into his new submission, the Brutalizer, and pulled down Omega to the mat with the Brutalizer applied, and Omega passed out. And I think you had two things here. You had one, the surprise of Kenny Omega losing. And two, I don't think this was a crowd that was familiar with this submission mm-hmm. to be able to take it seriously mm-hmm. as the end. So I well, thought they are now. They are now. Yeah. So that's and I'm totally fine with that, that mm-hmm. we're going to sacrifice a reaction tonight because we're educating the fan. That was what they did with The Undertaker when he did the, the Gogo Plata. No one reacted to that, but they kept doing it and doing it till it got over. Mm-hmm. So I like the idea of this uh this win by Pac, and it seems to be telling the story that Omega, he is not going to be the big leader at the beginning. He is going to have to work his way out of this hole that he has dug himself into and thus putting an emphasis on these records and losing another big singles match. I like that a lot, actually, when you explain it like that, especially. You know, you and I had wondered if they would have Omega automatically win, given the the ongoing program with John Moxley that they're probably going to build towards. But I, it's not like anybody wants to see Moxley versus Omega any less because Kenny Omega suddenly lost this this match to Pac. Not at all. I you, think, if anything, it, they want to see Omega like he's got his back against the wall. Yeah. And they can really utilize this 
properly. Yeah, yeah. I and I think you can argue that Pac certainly needs the win more. It starts him off very strong, gives also leaves room for for Pac to make a rematch. But um I thought this match was excellent. You know, technically it was very strong, some great agility, hard hitting moves from both men, exactly what you would expect from Kenny Omega versus Pac when you look at it on paper. Um to me it didn't escalate to like, you know, Oh my God! You have to see this match, match of the year candidate types of level. It wasn't the high end Omega level, or, or even high end Pac level, sure. but it solid. But it was satisfying, I would say, for the for the for the for the hype that I think it initially created. I'm gonna uh, say 4.0. You're gonna say 4.0. That's my um, guess. I'm I'm gonna say 4.0 as well. And when I look at Grapple, because every time I close the app, I have to reset. Oh wait, I put an asterisk in case WH voted. <laughs> Four. Four on the nose, John. Good job. Damn, damn, you really are. I, well, you you guessed it too. So I just guessed your guess, though. Oh, so well, you, anyway, you take credit. Um, yeah, I like the booking of this a lot. Do you think that this tips their hand that Moxley was going to go over on this show, or do you think oh. that that Omega was going to get his revenge? Uh, I him. think Moxley would have won. I think Moxley especially would have won because he's he's the really hot project right now. I think he's your headliner. Kenny Omega is your headliner as well. But I don't think Kenny needs the wins he's I, already made. I'm sure that the temptation will be there to do that on television and build it up to something if they need to. I think that should be November, their next pay-per-view in November, Moxley and Omega. Yeah. Build okay. to it on TV. Yeah. But sure. it's going to be interesting. to see. Like If they but, didn't have competition, mm-hmm. I think that would be a slam dunk. You do it on the pay-per-view. But I'm curious to see what is their mentality going to be when it comes to this week-to-week. And are we going to get into... These fights of wanting to be, no, and, and I think what, that's a silly what, fight to get into for w, both sides. That's what WCW did. Well, I'm I'm not saying that they're necessarily going. To, there's a certain ego to yeah. wanting to win that every week that mm-hmm. goes beyond what's the bigger goal and drawing a big pay per view number. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to see what their mentality is. Oh, this next one, Jimmy Havoc, Darby <laughs> Allen, and Joey Janela in the first ever Cracker Barrel Clash. The first ever, are you predicting more? Oh, uh, this has to be an annual event. Yeah, it has to be. Uh, So this was one of the most insane hardcore matches you are going to see. Not to the extent of some of the game changer hardcore matches I've seen that I'm just, uh, or... Or Moxley uh, Janela from... This had some... Fighter Fest. This was comparable, I would say. This had some pretty absolutely insane stuff. This didn't have... uh, this wasn't Tournament of Death either, right. um, but it was not far off with some of the insanity that they had cooked up. I'm going to say this. The creativity that these three had yeah. was through the roof. Mm-hmm. I mean, these three, this is their style, and for this style, this was really solid. Yeah. What did you feel about Jim Ross in this match? Because it was so clear <laughs> this is not his style, but in a weird way, it almost helped the match for me. Like, this guy was so repulsed by this and just it actually added to the insanity of the and the tone of this match but it was very clear like this was he was not a fan of this yeah i didn't think he was such a great fit i mean simply because i i don't know how how much he had to add to be quite honest to like this this type of match without really having too much of a background on on a lot of the characters uh or storyline or lack there like there really was no storyline attached to this so i don't know how much he had to add um see i i watched this and like i felt the same way but then as i'm watching it it's like it's like you're showing something to 
your dad and you're getting amusement out of like your dad just saying what the (laughs) fuck is this but at the same time don't you find it so amusing though that what is jr's most famous call hell in a cell you're right yep like and and he's called you know hardcore matches plenty of hardcore matches during his time and he sounded amazing during those you know so what might have is this simply a different style of hardcore than what he's used to or, or or appreciates or is it just a lack of familiarity with the roster i think there's certain elements of of comedy that restrict him from going um and calling this with that certain level of emotion. Mm-hmm. And there is a comedy element to this yeah. that they... Cracker Barrel Clash comedy? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, you yeah. had the cute spots like Joey Janela taking the monkey flip in the in the chair and then being seated there. But there was a lot of violent stuff in this match, too. And yeah. violent stuff but without necessarily story attached to it. Yeah, but I thought, like, listen, this is... I, I'm, Which is to me JR's forte, right? And that's what I mean. Like know. these matches, the, these are not what I seek out. That I get my kicks out of with, with wrestling. But, but there's I can, a place for it on I this can, show. I, absolutely, there's a place for it. This audience loved this, mm-hmm. and when it comes to this style, I can appreciate that these three are among the best at this because yeah. this was a lot of well thought out stunts, some very dangerous stunts, but well thought out ones nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the highlights and. You interrupt me if I miss anything. Uh, Jimmy Havoc brought in a staple gun and began stapling himself. His arms, yeah. So, yep. I mean, the whole, I think the whole match was, was done to show how crazy all of them are, but especially Jimmy Havoc. They're all out of their mind. Yeah. They then placed Havoc onto a chair on the floor, loaded his mouth with thumbtacks, and then taped his mouth shut, leaving him seated there until Darby came off the top with a somersault Onto the chair where Havoc was seated, uh, presumably swallowing thumbtacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was nuts. To pierce his organs. Uh, Janela then took Allen and hit the Emerald Flosion onto the edge of the apron. Janela starts looking for weapons and came across a tennis racket, but was not satisfied with the tennis racket. Threw away the tennis racket for yes. a pretty funny reference. That's for our wink wink. Uh, Janela then took a staple to the forehead and this is where he took a monkey flip while in a chair the chair flipped over with him in it and he landed seated and I don't care what you say that's quite the feat to pull off oh yeah for sure that's fun. like I don't think a monkey could flip like that in a chair and land <laughs> sure it's one of those like you know flipping a water bottle types of tricks if you watch this it's not just the flip Joey Janela's smile. He is so proud that he pulled this off. And he should have been. What do you what is what is the percentage of failure for a spot like that, you think? The percentage of failure? Probably the many times he's tried this before tonight. Oh, I you think you thought this is the one time? Uh I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> if, maybe this is like a Canadian destroyer where it's a lot more simpler than people believe. Maybe. maybe. Um maybe it's the same kind of uh dynamics. Uh the audience starts chanting Cracker Barrel, which I could see becoming a cult chant for AEW hardcore spots. Oh, interesting. Okay. I could see this taking off, and I'm sure Cracker Barrel would be astounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did have the use of, at some point, Excalibur had to plug like their Sunday menu. I know. And they had to use cornbread <laughs> here. This stuff, I'm glad it was cornbread because it was really corny, the fact that they had to use this. Oh, we, we forgot to mention the, 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 the barrels. T- the tax came in a Cracker Barrel cup. That's right. There was a Cracker Barrel cup that had tacks in it. Um, Darby brings out a skateboard that has tacks glued to the bottom. And he leaps onto the skateboard and drives the thumbtack side into Joey Janela's back. He basically did a double stomp. And he and the, the tacks are in the upper portion of Janela's back. And which stayed looked, there for the rest oh, of the Oh, the match. whole match. Yeah. 
Alan then attempted a coffin drop while holding the barrel and then was going to land with the barrel on the steps with his back going down. Uh, I believe it was Havoc got out of the way. So Darby just shattered this barrel that he was on top of. This was utter insanity. I'll say, I'll say like he got up there to oh. the top with that barrel with incredible grace. Like I, I, I Can you imagine I, I, holding a barrel yeah. behind you. It's incredibly behind awkward. you. Yeah. And the, the, the crunch of, of seeing a cracker barrel barrel smash was oddly very satisfying. Well, I was worried something was cracked after this. And it ended with Havoc superplexing Joey Janela. He was trying to superplex him onto the barrel, but they barely made oh, it. And man. he hit the acid rainmaker <laughs> on top of the barrel and Havoc pinned Joey Janela at, a, at 14 minutes, 57 seconds. Listen, this was totally nuts, but this completely worked. Uh, the match itself. The match. Yes, I yes. think the audience the, loved this. The, the finish was was a little. Oh, bit the finish. Messy. I mean, it was um, it was, it was weird to to begin with because you had like Jimmy Havoc having to like hold a barrel on his chest as Joey Janela ran up. It but he was he, he was playing possum because then he got up and Fine, then stopped okay. them. I can so, excuse but it. But then sure. the barrel had to remember its spot to stay still, yeah. and a barrel rolls. It's too bad, it, you know, the restaurant's not called Crackle Box or <laughs> Crackle Table. <laughs> Or cracker table. Sorry. Anyway, White Castle. Just get a, a an actual <laughs> a castle, castle or something to superplex someone on. Uh, uh, what did you think about it? I enjoyed this. You know, I thought it was a spectacular hardcore spot fest. A lot of dangerous spots, but a lot of them very creative, and I think very ambitious for better or worse. You know, um, they have- I, I do feel you have to space these out. You don't want to yeah. get into the trap that Abyss had to do these on every pay-per-view, mm-hmm. and they became less and less. These should be reserved. For- I think it's important to start now, though, because these are three people that need to get over with, with you know, a general audience. They're probably going to have to do this at least a few more times once they get on TNT. I don't know if you're going to see this on TNT. Well, at least maybe building up to a pay-per-view. With maybe some characters. elements of this, but yeah. I, I don't think you're going to see this level. Like, this match... I don't see this kind of match happening on TNT. We shall see. But, you know, I, I thought there was something intriguing about every moment of the match, which to me is, is, is you know, a, a positive. I was never bored watching this. All three of them continued to show how crazy they were. I thought they had fun with the Cracker Barrel product placement. You know, it, was, it wasn't it was so overt that, like, it bothered me. Um, and it never felt like they were trying to subtly trick me into eating Crackle Barrel cracker barrel either it was just like them looking for ways to kind of make these this product placement fun and entertaining yeah i think that they worked in what could have been a really lame product placement and and did make it work in the end hey everybody if you're trying to call in right now we're not taking calls just yet so uh call back once we're done our review yes we will be dedicating lots of time to your phone calls uh what do you think grapple rated this one um i'm gonna go 3.8 Close, 3.5. Oh, okay. Within range. All right. The Dark Order versus the Best Friends was our next match. The winners will receive a bye into the first round, into the second round of the AEW Tag Title Tournament. So, yeah. This was like a first round match. I mean, okay. I think it, it somewhat makes sense. Because they they skipped the first round. But this essentially... But they had the win to get into this match. They had the... Yeah, didn't they? Yeah. Well, so did, but the other teams have to do that too. Who it really sucks for is the losing team of this match who had to wrestle an extra match for no reason. Um, yes, that's true. They they won a match to get into this match that they lost 
So the best friends won a match to get into the match that they lost, that they've now had two matches, and they're not even in the tournament. Yeah. They really <laughs> wasted their time. Well, it's... <laughs> It's complicated. It's complicated. These tournaments aren't just handed on a silver platter. These great spots. Dark Order came out with the creatures. They really need an upgrade in this in this presentation. I hate yeah. it. Yeah, and I think you could tell them the result of the like the crowd reaction to this match. Like in ring, they are spectacular, but these characters and this gimmick is just not over at all. I think as well. You do have not the same character, but we just saw that fiend introduction that looks that was way amazing better. but that came after weeks and weeks and weeks of like this really interesting you know Fire, firefly funhouse build up and the dark order does not have an, a fraction of that charisma okay matthew smith i'm gonna call you out we're not taking calls right now please so the match begins and dark order got the advantage on trent they cut off the ring grayson yanked chucky off of the apron to prevent the tag grayson yelled that he wants trent to die uh, Taylor then got tagged in. They double teamed Stu for a while. There was a reverse border toss into an ace crusher, which Jim Ross said he is he is retiring that term and he is no longer going to call that an ace crusher. Is that a personal uh, little guess, reference? I guess his uh, his successor as head of talent relations is uh, not going to be uh, given any tribute. Gotcha. Uh, Dark Order hit their senton cannonball combo, but Trent kicked out. Uh, then uh, Taylor hit Grayson with the awful waffle that looked good. Evil Uno was late pulling uh, Trent off of Grayson. And then they took out Taylor on the floor, sent him into the steps and hit fatality to pin Trent at 13 minutes and 46 seconds. I just did not think this worked. I thought it came later in the show and the crowd, they weren't into these two. I thought that the, the pullout really kind of took any air out of this. It wasn't a hot crowd for this. I just uh, I thought this was a low point of the show. I agree with you. I thought it went a little too long given the lack of star power here. Um, the Dark Order, I think, again, are they're a great wrestling tag team, but the characters really are just not connecting at all. I think the best friends do connect, but they're really not such big stars that I think they were able to lift the crowd up from this match. Um, and we haven't really seen that much character development from either team. I don't you know? know what I'm to feel about Dark Order. Like, yeah, they do all this creepy stuff, but they're still great wrestlers. Like, I don't have a hard like. There, there weren't they weren't very defined heels in this, and I just think the presentation really just it's it hasn't it hasn't been they're kind an of enhancement. These, there's these they're, they're they're like a generic Halloween tag team. They're like you know somebody you'd find at Screamers. You know, remember Scre- Screamers? Yes. <laughs> Anyway, uh, but mo- most notable for the post-match here. So, yeah, this saved it. The, um, in the ring, lights the, go out. The lights go out, and everyone's buzzing. The lights go on, and they're standing in the middle. And this was, we should mention, Dark Order was about to take Trent away, and the lights go out. And then Orange Cassidy appears in the middle of the ring to an enormous response. Place goes nuts. He's got his hands in the pockets as he hits his dive onto the creatures. And then the best friends and Orange Cassidy do a big hug. And Excalibur was great here. He explained the connection of Cassidy uh, being trained by Chuck. And, of course, uh, these three have history at the Mark Hitchcock Memorial Super Show where they teamed up. That me and Wade just reviewed this show on the latest Rewind Away. So you can hear even more about the dynamic between the best friends and Orange Cassidy. (laughs) But... Man, I um, it was interesting because I watched the Cody panel the other day, and he said when 
there was the negativity, like the Young Bucks, like this was their signing was Orange Cassidy. And Cody was a little disappointed that more people, including people at AEW, didn't stand up and defend Orange Cassidy signing, saying he's on our team. He's we're not signing him and he's the world champion, but this is a buffet we're presenting. And man, I watch Orange Cassidy. It's like I I don't understand like why there is such a negativity for this guy, because I think this guy is really entertaining. He's a great athlete and he's super popular. So I I thought this was this saved this segment for me. Yeah, I I feel like the negativity may come from perhaps the criticism that he might be a bit of a one trick pony, that the character might be a little one one dimensional in in the same way that, um, you know, I I feel like some criticism people might have for somebody like a like Joey Ryan. Um, you know, is is this one trick? Can it last long enough beyond the first initial pops? And to me, it remains to be seen. But I think the answer is definitely yes. And I think even if it is for that initial pop, it was more than worth it just for this moment alone. He already feels like a big star. Um, and I think putting him together with the best friends is brilliant because even if the character is a little one dimensional without that much range, I think having the best friends there, you know, do things like talk to him. Oh, the vignettes with these three. Yeah, like, great. you know, just to, to, to interact with him and to save Orange Cassidy for the punchlines, for, you know, the, the big lackadaisical hot tag. Uh, I think it'll protect Orange Cassidy. It'll prevent him from getting overexposed. And I think it really helps the best friends who, you know, they've been great. They've been entertaining, but they've hardly, I think caught people's attention to the level of orange cassidy so i think it would help the whole whole team did you see his interview with chris van vliet i did (laughs) i thought it was great yeah it was very unique Uh, you know it's very a lot of fun if uh, of all the people that are talking about aew taking a risk signing this guy i think orange cassidy is taking a bit of a risk signing with aew and i'll explain this okay okay listen yeah there's obviously getting a contract will he go is my question well the thing is joey ryan has talked about this the fact that obviously they are not going after a joey ryan right now and his idea is that if i went to aew i'd probably have to change this character around and not do what i'm doing very successfully on the indies and Mm -hmm. with orange cassidy you mentioned being like a one trick pony if you're on weekly television, it could very much play out the gimmick that much faster. Suppose the difference is, you know, like the, the penis thing might not be allowed to exist in its current form on TNT, whereas this could. All I'm saying is that Orange Cassidy, like you can you can have a great run at the moment with it. But if it's like, say, six months from now, we want to change this character. Now we want you doing promos and you're going to now once the match gets heated, then you're. You're going to snap out of this and we're going to eventually slowly phase it out. And it's a character that's working right now. And you're probably going to, you're going to run through the shelf life that much quicker. And I think we've seen enough from him to know that beyond this gimmick lies an excellent pro wrestler in, in Orange Cassidy. And I think a really clever guy as well. I don't look at him as just, you know, a guy just that stumbled upon some character and he's lucky to have it. I think this is a really fascinating individual that gets the character and i i think this guy's gonna work out very well prediction for grapple oh 2.2.4 so you're still very close you mm-hmm. definitely have your finger on the pulse wow so this uh the battle royal was still lower than this yes um hikaru shida versus riho and the winner would take on nyla rose october the 2nd 
Uh, obviously, you had the story here as Rio as the undersized underdog that's fighting from underneath and just trying to combat the size of Sheeta early on. So not that undersized, you know. Not that much, but it's like she's the visual the is still there. Yes. I mean, they really hit it that she's 98 pounds and she's always going to have that. There's not going to be too many women smaller than, than Rio, mm. which is great. She's got tremendous facial reactions for um, when, when she's selling and in pain. Uh, she went for a 619 that got blocked and Sheeta went for a stretch muffler and then Rio turned it into a sunset flip for a roll up. Uh, Sheeta caught her on the shoulders into this huge backbreaker for a near fall and Rio selling. She just sells everything as though she's been broken in half. And they were struggling to get the crowd at certain parts. Um, there were bursts where they got behind Rio for a near fall or two. And then the end was, it was a cool sequence where Rio spun around with a crucifix into an arm drag using her legs to catch Sheeta with a roll up for the upset victory. It went 13, 23. I thought this was good, but it was, um, this wasn't like this uh, giant sleeper match that I thought it was going to be. Was it a sleeper match, though? Because I felt the crowd a little disengaged for much of this. Yes. You know, I thought the wrestling I, I was... think the hardcore match took a lot out of people because the last match sure. was really dead. And this one, not completely dead, but certainly that this was a more tired audience. I think to me, this also shows that AEW can't simply rely on the promise of like an excellent in-ring match to get people's attention. You know, we're at the point now where we need characters we need uh uh you know familiarity with with uh with your performers and riho or and hakarashita neither of them have had any sort of interview or any type of uh, segment on bte or road to we know absolutely zero about these two beyond what we've seen of, of them in ring on these other matches and i know that's probably due to limitations of where they live right now uh you know not speaking english all this stuff but i still don't think it's an excuse especially if you're going to put one of these two into what I would assume to be your main event of like, cause that's, this is the first show, right? Yes. Like, and I would imagine that they would put their women's title match last. Don't you given their, their reverence for, for uh tradition. Um, they've got, aren't, aren't the bucks and Omega, aren't they doing a six man on that, on that first show as well? That's what the what one message. Jer- see what message does that send about your women's championship? Well, you, you could put this on last. Event. That's the one with Jericho and the, uh, the mystery partners, right? But, I mean, Nyla Rose versus Riho. That's going to be re- a bit of a tough sell. Yeah. Especially without, I, I know, could see it going last. I know a lot about Nyla Rose at this point, but I know nothing about Riho. So yeah. they need to kind of put that work in because you saw the audience here kind of not be disconnected at all. So, uh, it, decent match though. Gra- uh, Grapple gives this one three point one, three point two eight. Damn, you're still within I'm like sure. a point. I'm trying. As long as I'm within like point well. two, I'm happy. As long as you're within point five, I'd say you're doing well. Um, Nyla Rose just walked out and stared down Riho from the top of the ramp. Yeah, I I think you know like regardless of like everything we just said, I think as a match, Riho versus Rose will be very easy to get get into. Simply easy story, visual contrast. You know, if you're saying, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Riho is going to be a, a perennial like underdog. It's, it's the smallest person going up against the biggest person. So they also explained um, that will be in Nyla Rose's hometown of Washington D.C. I saw some people mentioning on the chat room as well. Um, no, uh, Kylie Ray. No mention of her even lately. No, no. I'm not quite sure what is going on with her. So um, perhaps sure. we'll be able to get an update. But I'm yeah, sure she has been out. absent of late. Yeah. Sean Spears versus Cody was the next match. And Sean Spears had this uh, very well choreographed entrance where there was a spotlight on him. He had the hood covering his head. And he was sitting in a chair. 
and sitting in a chair. That was the chair that he blasted Cody in the head with, although this one looked to be in pristine condition. Yeah, and... Um, like, maybe he took it into the shop. Oh, you think so? Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, a bit of a tough sell to tell me that this was the same chair. But... What did you think about his entrance music? I... Oh, it was uh, Russell and Flo. Mm. Yeah, he had it uh, last time too, I believe. But um, I like the... It looked cool, you know? Like, it looked... It was just him with the spotlight, sitting up in a chair, walking slowly. You can tell when some of these guys, like, have... I feel like all that time spent in, like, the performance center, they learn a thing or two about, like, presentation. And, and you know, like, you see it in Cody's entrance and you see it in Sean Spears' entrance. They kind of have a bit more of a of a flash to them. Only thing I didn't like was the the contact lenses. Yeah, I didn't like them. I thought they looked so goofy on him. It doesn't it, fit him. No, doesn't fit him Davey at all. Davey Portman made the joke that he's, like, a skinny white viscera. <laughs> skinny with white a, viscera. With the mohawk. and, and Yeah, the, I, I could have done without the contact lenses. I'm just, man, they're, like, such a... Like, not even a fad they really qualified as. It's like, unless you're Rey Mysterio, I don't really know if you have to do the uh, the, the contact lenses mm-hmm. and can pull it off. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a tough thing to pull off. Uh, and with Tully Blanchard, who did not have contact lenses in. So we're, we're, we're remarking on that. Uh, by the way, Tony Khan apparently confirmed that Kylie Ray had asked and was granted her release. Oh, okay. So, well, there we go. Apparently it was amicable. Cody, we go to the back, and first we see... Brandy. Now, are you up on your Star Trek references? Uh, are these any specific characters that uh, I'm going to be butchering? Okay. Yes. Brandy was dressed as uh, Seven of Nine, I believe her name is. Okay. Uh, from Deep Space. Wait, Seven, Seven something? Seven of Nine sounds Seven right. of Nine from Star Trek Voyager. From Star Trek Voyager, Voyager. Of course. Okay. So she's walking down. You can see, okay, we're going for a Star Trek themed entrance. Yes. And then from the side comes. <laughs> Diamond Dallas Page and Jim Ross. It's all quiet as we're doing this backstage entrance. And DDP says, well, this is very interesting, folks. And the way he said this, I I, I don't know if you've ever heard me laugh so so hard as I laughed at this. It was the best timeline. MJF then just like kind of. He walks in like, oh, do we have to do this? And he's wearing he's wearing the the yellow, the yellow Star one. Trek. Okay. Don't ask me what these mean. Listen, Jim Ross was hilarious. Is that the tone he should have been going for though? Uh like do you think Cody would have been happy? I don't think he meant it as a he wasn't saying it to be a joke. He can't help but like be like, this is a like he's great doing deadpan like sarcastic humor to me i think someone had to say something like to me i'm you're right you're right it was ridiculous like this was a pretty out there entrance and Mm -hmm. god bless cody it probably came from from his mind and he wanted to do something cool and different but this one was out there so you've got (laughs) you've got lieutenant page brandy and mjf in their star trek attire walking in the the back with pharaoh with pharaoh in star trek attire and then cody uh, elevates from underneath the stage. Yeah. As was this meant to be like a, like the, you know the teleport thing? Yeah. He did do? not teleport. I'm sure he he would have if he could have. I'm sure William Shatner would have done this. Oh, you think so? In a heartbeat. Yeah, I think so. Sure, he's a wrestling fan, isn't he? So they all walk out, and then Cody reveals that in his corner will be MJF. Yeah. Really, and, really hitting it hard. Yes, I think everyone at this point is expecting, oh my God, MJF is going to fuck Cody. 
Yeah. And that's what everyone's expecting. Because everyone, I think, was expecting Arn Anderson. Yes. And, uh, we'll, and we'll a get- little disappointed that we didn't get them at this point. No, but I kind of like the idea that... Oh, yeah. I liked it better. Every- they, they knew what the crowd wanted. Yeah. We're still going to give it to you, but it's going to be a... It's going to be a surprise mm-hmm. instead of coming out here where it was still gotten a big pop and everything, but it was the expected one. What they so did was better. It's, yeah. Instead, it's like, we're going to give it to you 10 minutes from now. Mm-hmm. So Cody immediately hits a tope suicida onto uh, Spears on the floor, and then he strikes down Tully Blanchard, which was a kind of an unexpected spot that added like the severity of this brawl. Because yeah. that's something in WWE... A, we don't have too many managers like a Tully Blanchard, and they're not often doing any physicality. Like, even Heyman, he's not doing a whole lot of physicality. So, mm-hmm. immediately, they were kind of setting the tempo here with, with Cody. Um, Spears lifted Cody and crotched him into the post and kind of took over here, hit a draping DDT onto the edge of the apron, and then Tully takes off his belt, and he passes it to Sean Spears, who begins to whip Cody, and Cody stands up. And, and just lets him whip him right across the chest. And he had this welt on his chest, which is probably going to look brutal tomorrow from mm-hmm. this. Be- Sean whipped the shit out of him. Yeah, it's, it's a real belt. Two hard uh, whips he took. It's a real belt. And then Cody fires up on him, attacks him with strikes, and hit the the Oz Cody. <laughs> no? Yeah. No. <laughs> Cody uh, then returns to the ring after teasing a countout when he's dumped to the floor and laid out. And he battles in after MJF is telling him not to quit. He breaks the count. Um, Spears goes for what was formerly called the tiebreaker, and it's blocked. Cody hits the crossroads, but Tully distracts Earl Hebner. And then Blanchard and MJF get into the ring, and they're going to fight. And they start going at it. And Spears then lays out MJF with a boot to the face. And Blanchard and MJF were on the floor, and then coming from the back, the man who could not take it anymore, Double A comes out, Arn Anderson, the place goes wild, he comes into the ring, and there is Sean Spears, who takes a spine buster, and for some people, this might have been the moment of the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know the last time I might have seen Arn do a spine buster. You know the last time you saw him when? do it? It was at the WrestleMania we were at in Toronto with Ric Flair and The Undertaker. And <gasps> that Arne, long ago? Arn came in. I don't know if he's done it since. He might have done it on a house show. I think he's done some house maybe show spots. Maybe an episode spots. of Raw, maybe? I'm trying I to think know. if he's done it on Raw. Okay, whatever. I think he's done it at some house shows. But in a big setting, that WrestleMania, I remember when he came in, and the place went nuts for that spinebuster then, too. Yeah. And they went nuts here. Um, and this was just cool seeing Tully and Arn in this setting together. So cool. And then Tully took off and went to the back. Well, this is what I didn't get because like Arn did the spine buster to Spears and then just walked out on his own. And Tully was like, "What? Why did you do that?" And then he walked out alone. I, I mean, I think it really should have been Arn dragging Tully out, don't you think? Or Arn just stalking him and Tully's like fleeing, yes, fleeing yes. the scene, something yes. like that. Because Tully kind of left Spears high and dry, unless that's going to play into it. Um, I don't know. Maybe Tully, Tully maybe fires Spears and Spears is going to be a baby face now. Hmm. Maybe. Um, I really hope Tully sticks around because I've too. enjoyed him greatly on these road Two specials. Hmm. So then Cody is alone with Spears and he's got the chair and Spears is the coward pleading with him and Cody throws down the chair. He hits him with the dusty elbows and punches tosses the chair and Spears catches it. Cody comes off the ropes with the disaster kick into the chair and hits crossroads to win 17 minutes, 23 seconds. And instead of turning on him, Cody and MJF just hug and 
I I thought this worked tremendously well. Yeah, I thought I I really liked how they're playing around with the MJF turn. You know, it, it, it's it is the most obvious turn in the world. I think for the moment they they met up, like everybody knew it was the character, right? But I thought they made good use of like really over cliched things that typically would have suggested a turn would take place tonight, and instead it didn't. Um, you know, I think like causing distractions, allowing Tully Blanchard to like interfere in the match. That was MJF doing the dis- distracting on the outside. Uh, at the end of the match, as Cody's celebrating, MJF even like grabs the chair behind Cody's back, making you think that he's going to whack Cody with it, and instead he just drops the chair. So all that, I think... Um, I thought it was great. It's like, this is the kind of stuff that when it does happen, it'll be that much more impactful yeah. instead of just doing it the first chance you get. As a match, you know, I thought it was good. The crowd was very engaged. I would say this was like contained some of the loudest uh, moments of the entire night. And you can, to me, always count on like a Cody match to achieve that type of like, you know, story interest, character interest that other matches. His matches have become like these, these elaborate like stories, yeah. essentially, like these personal old, grudges, old school. Like, yeah. You know, and they were matches like this. This isn't going to get five on on grapple. But man, mm. I was really satisfied with this. I enjoyed the whole presentation of this. And it picked up the audience that was really out of the last two matches. And I, I thought this worked. See, my ideal, though, would be if we had this t- type of story, but with like the level of like match that we would see elsewhere on the card because for me i found the ch- the middle chunk of this match rather slow and kind of lacking and boring to sit through and much of it was because of sean spears who i think is usually awesome um i think he's developed great presence even as a top heel but to me like he didn't really do enough here in the middle to keep it keep it entertaining for me i still think grapple's gonna go four on this uh well man every time i log out um, four on the dot, you say? Uh, four on the dot. Four on the dot, you say. Well, you're about 0.5 off because Grapple gave this one 3.5. Wow. Well, maybe I, I thought higher of it than, than Grapple. This was our biggest disagreement. Um, I, I, I like the match. It was uh, certainly, if you're comparing this to the Dustin match, it wasn't hitting no. that level, but I think few are. Um. Second from the top was the ladder match for the AAA tag titles, the Lucha Bros versus the Young Bucks. And I do not know where to start nor where to end with this. This was one of the craziest ladder matches I have ever seen. It was also perhaps the most ambitious ladder match I've ever seen in terms of the risks taken. Um, I mean, these were four incredible, incredible performers, uh, during this this spectacle that went 24 minutes and 10 seconds. Immediately they start. They're teasing the Indie Taker within the first two minutes. And then they did these tandem spots where it was like one brother with another, such as Pentagon and Matt Jackson, who took cutters off the ladders. And then we flipped it with Phoenix and Nick Jackson spearing the opposites off the tables to the um, through tables on the floor. Uh, Nick came back where he leaped off a ladder into the corner and hit a corkscrew to the floor. Um, We got a lot of Nick and Phoenix early on. Nick climbed the ladder and it got tipped. And then Nick balanced on the top rope, dove onto Pentagon on the floor. And then Phoenix balanced on the top, hitting a moonsault onto them on the floor, leaving Matt alone. And then Pentagon returned, swung the ladder, uh, swung around the ladder to hit a sling blade, taking him off. Um, Some other highlights in one of the craziest ladder spots ever. We saw Pentagon hit a destroyer to Matt off the top of a ladder through a table. Insane. This was 
like a spot Insane. of the year. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you've already seen it in GIF form. Then they had an aerial shot where on one side of the ring, you've got Phoenix climbing a ladder. And on the other side of the ring, Nick's climbing a ladder. And they both hit splashes to the opposite brother through tables. And it was like this big, over-the-top shot that looked really crazy. Nick was then on the ladder. This was several moments later. Pentagon tips the ladder. And there's two tables set on the floor. And Nick was supposed to fly over and go through the tables. His legs buckle on the top rope and he just crashes down through these tables. And that's the last of Nick in this match. I'm hoping this guy was okay because yeah. I was immediately worried he got a concussion or well, something. Well, he came back for, the, for the, 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 the final spot at the end of this match um, with the LAX. That's right. Yeah. He did do the physicality afterwards. Uh, but in terms of the match, this yeah, was it his. Looked rough. This was his. Uh, yeah, it looked really scary. Right off spot, just like this, just looked um, horrifying mm-hmm. to watch. Matt then removed Pentagon's mask to prevent him from climbing, and he tipped the ladder. Matt fell sideways onto the ladder in brutal fashion, coming down. It was like an unmasked Penta holding his face and just like shoving, oh. shoving the, the the thing. Yeah. So Pentagon recovers his mask. And they hit the double, uh, the foot stomp into the package pile driver to Matt onto a ladder that is draped across the apron to the barricade. And now Matt is dead. And the Lucha Brothers climb up, retrieving the tag titles at 24 minutes and 10 seconds. This was one of the greatest ladder matches of all time, but also one that I am I'm so concerned to see people continue to escalate at this level because I mean, there were too many close calls in this where I I thought someone was significantly hurt, and you could probably come up with four or five of those spots in this match. It was just mm-hmm. at a level of danger that it's it's incredible to see these four pull it off as best they can, but man, is it I mean it's dangerous. A, it, it kind of lived up to the billing, didn't it? Like Escalera de la Merte, like it's in the name. So this was an insane match, really dangerous at times. But I would say, like you know, full of creativity, great timing, and execution, which is I they think, executed everything, like save for like not completely flawless. But I no, mean, but it's like but some of these spots are so risky that they're not supposed to look completely flawless. You know, like uh, and I think like creativity, great timing, great execution. These are the hallmarks of like the great ladder matches that we, we, we always talk about uh, and the Bucks have delivered that many times in the past, but this was like the first time that they managed to do it in AEW. Great use of, of ladders. It was an excellent spot. Class. I thought it was their best match that the two teams have had. And I, I thought the match in the AEW show, or period. Mm, I would probably say that they've had. Yeah, I think yeah. so. So was this your match of the show or did you have another? This choice? was my match of the show. I think this is going to go very high. I'm, I'm thinking this is like 4.6, 4.7. 4. 4.4 from Grapple. Wow. Yep. Yeah. I I thought this was like on the higher end of of matches. Like if you if you look at like AEW matches. Oh, yeah. For sure. This would right, might be right near the top. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic match between these two. And there is not even the opportunity for the Lucha Brothers to even hold the titles up. Because immediately these two men in these masks run into the ring, and they immediately... They're they're wearing Clinton and JFK masks. Yes. And they attack Phoenix and Pentagon. They lay them out, and then they also take out the Young Bucks. So all four are laid out, and then they reveal themselves, Santana and Ortiz, the former LAX who have come to AEW. And this tag division has what an enormous depth that they have Mm -hmm. in this... 
in yeah. this division. It's incredible. Yeah, and I think uh, slotting them right up top already against Lucha Brothers and, and the Young Bucks is is fantastic. To me, they are like among like your most uh, probably the, your teams with the most potential. You know, they could headline a show, Bucks versus LAX. Definitely. I don't know what they're going to call uh, the team. I mean, I think I heard like uh, 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 Excalibur mentioned the Bariquas. I I don't know if they should go with that. I feel like we've already gone through that. Yeah, it's just it, it's to me in it's w, um in in wrestling. Yeah, they, they it doesn't matter. Call them Santana or Ortiz. Call them whatever you want. But um, they I, I they received a huge reaction from this audience. Yeah, and uh, w- worth noting as well, like Impact does retain LAX, but it's notable that they are like I mean Ortiz was Angel Ortiz, but Santana like that was. That was a TNA name that he got when he went to TNA. Right. And he's obviously allowed to continue. They're going to be Santana and Ortiz moving forward. Oh, so cool. Yeah. Very simple. I thought effective debut. For Good angle team. and gives you something to kind of send you off to the television wanting to see this program. Mm-hmm. Their next pay-per-view is going to be Saturday, November the 9th. Full gear from the Royal Farms Arena in Baltimore, Maryland. And ticket information will be coming out. I believe they said this week. That it would be coming out full gear, full gear. Yeah, I mean that's it, it would be a fashion show. Well, it's it's obviously in reference to to the Adam Page, uh, Pac, joke. Yeah, maybe, maybe they'll do Page and Pac after all this time. Yeah, I understand that there there are some notes coming out from uh uh, uh the post match, uh the post show. So uh, we haven't watched that yet, John and I. If you have, please call in and uh, give us your notes. And we go to the main event with uh, Hangman Page and Chris Jericho. Winner becomes the first AEW heavyweight champion. And it features Hangman coming out on a horse. They did it. They did it. They had talked about this a whole lot. I know Page like, had wanted to do this uh, a, a while back. And they finally got to do it. The horse did not walk the whole length of the ramp. Only like kind of stopped in the area next to the ramp, like j- where JBL usually drives his car. But the visual is awesome. You got it. Yeah, it was, it was cool that they did it. It was a bit of a, it was like a pony ride almost, you know, like you had one person leading the horse and yeah, I mean, this horse, I mean, had it gotten scared or something? Could you imagine? Uh, had you ima- could you imagine if the horse took a shit out in the crowd? Well, that could be the least of their problems. Like you saw it when, when Pharaoh came out, Pharaoh did not want to be out there. Pharaoh, was Pharaoh immediately wanted to turn and go to the back. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's risky business when you're working with animals. Yeah. Um, also... Aubrey Edwards was the official for the match. Yes, and yes. they made a big deal out of the, here is a, a female referee in the main event for the mm-hmm. title match. Page went for the shooting star elbow off the apron early, and Jericho attempted to counter it with the, uh, with the code breaker on the floor. And Page then got knocked off the apron, flew into the guardrail. It was like a slow building match as Jericho's working on the arm, and then Page would, would fight back. Jericho went for the lion salt and got stopped with a Russian leg sweep. Like, everything was clicking like they were doing everything but it was still like it was a slow build four and a half hours into the show yeah absolutely and you're following that ladder match you're following this entire show Mm -hmm. then page lands a discus forearm and busts jericho open over the left eye and jericho goes to the floor and he comes up and it was a hell of a discus forearm yes he is bleeding jim ross is saying they could just stop the match and page hit a swinging neck breaker off the top and the crowd, they're starting to get them going, but they were subdued at this point. Uh, Page connected with a super kick from the apron as Jericho is uh, jumping off the turnbuckle. And then Page hit the buckshot lariat, but the dead eye gets countered as he applies the walls. 
Paige then gets out and Jericho gets into Edward's face and then shoves her as well. And she gives him a very stern warning. And then Jericho is staggered on the floor and Paige goes for the moonsault to the floor and didn't connect with much of Jericho, but uh, landed with plenty on the ramp. Uh, Paige then inside the ring goes for the buckshot lariat. It gets countered with the code breaker for a near fall. Now is when they're starting to hook the audience. Paige finally hits the dead eye and Jericho kicks out of that. They make a big deal out of the dead eye being kicked out from Paige then hits another buckshot lariat goes for the dead eye and it gets countered with a backslide attempt by Jericho. Paige then gets out of the backslide and goes for a discus clothesline. But as he turns, he gets hit with the Judas effect. I thought the timing of this was perfect. And he nailed uh, he nailed Paige with the Judas effect and pinned him at 26 minutes and 17 seconds. I think it's the best use of the Judas effect since he's introduced it in terms of um, the way it looked and also just coming out of nowhere and trying to make that part of the move that it's um, this weapon that he has that can come out at any point. It went 26 minutes, 17 seconds. Um I like the match, but it was certainly following a lot. I don't think anyone's going to have this as match of the show, but I did like this. Yeah, um, I I thought it was... I thought these two did really well. Um, they had to overcome a pretty tired crowd by this point who had just seen everything. And uh, as well, I think they had to live up to the, to the expectations that come with being the first AEW World Title main event. The first main event, or the last main event before AEW got to television. Um, I... I thought compared to the rest, it kind of showed maybe the limitations of Chris Jericho at 48 years old. To me, he was starting to show his decreased speed, which I, I feel kind of, you know, I felt the same way about some of his other like New Japan matches. And, uh, and even like the Omega, nah, the Omega, Omega match was better, I thought. But um, to me, I I feel like he was also wrestling a slower style based off of that blade job. So I think... That coupled with the fact that this was four and a half hours into the show, it was not. Mm, it was a good match. I don't think it lived up to the expectations of this being your first world title match. Um, at the end of this, uh, Jericho just celebrated with the title and then went up the ramp, and that's how they went off the air. Like there was no angle afterwards, there was no interview afterwards, and I thought for when the show ended, it was not with the urgency to get everyone to October the 2nd and certainly there's plenty you can do uh, from now until October 2nd to build that up and the promotion for it but I did think it was something I was looking for on this show was doing something really big that would have a lot of buzz coming out of this show that would immediately have everyone's focus for the television debut yeah I was kind of looking for that as well again we haven't seen the post show so uh, if there's any any uh, notes I'm sure we'll get to it by the end of this uh, broadcast Grapple gave this match one final prediction, John. Um, I I think I like this match a lot more than you. I I'm gonna say a a three point eight, three point six six. Okay, well there we go. So that was all out. How did you feel this show compared to say Double or Nothing? Uh, I thought this was a good show. Um, Double or Nothing, man, it feels like it's it was such a long time ago. Um, I think overall I might have enjoyed. I would say about the same. Uh, if I have to, if I really have to say, the ladder match I thought in this show was great. Kenny Pac I also enjoyed. Uh, even like the Cracker Barrel Clash I thought was very entertaining. Uh, to me, Luchasaurus was a real standout, and that whole team was a real standout on this show. Uh, I really can't say 
any of these AEW shows to me have been blow away. Like I feel like there are single nights of the G1 or takeovers that have been, you know, uh, better than these AEW shows. And maybe that's simply because these shows are so long that there's a lot more room for like, you know, things I don't really care about. Um, I still feel like these shows are kind of still finding their footing, but it was a good show overall. Yeah, I I look at today and it, like there was there was so much wrestling, but I think every show had something really really spectacular on it. Um, whether it was the ladder match on this show, um, the the Suzuki Okada main event at Royal Quest, um, the Walter Tyler bait match. I mean, whichever show you watched. There was something really, really excellent um, to take from from each show, and yeah, this show I I feel like it didn't come out with the same kind of energy of Double or Nothing, but it was it was still like because because it had like the big Moxley appearance and the spot yeah, there. and it also I I think there was still I think they're 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 more settled into things now, and I guess I w- I was expecting something more newsworthy on top of this this show is just kind of like your big push for October the second. But I imagine like Pac would have kind of fulfilled that big surprise role if he wasn't used in, in maybe as a replacement. Yeah, you did Moxley. get LAX, so that yep. was that was definitely a surprise. Um, so yeah, I'm curious to hear everybody's uh, feedback to the show as well. We'll be taking feedback on the forum. Uh, but also taking your phone calls and Skype calls. Phone lines are now open. So if you have thoughts or if, even if you attended uh, All Out or if you watched this post show, if there are any notes from it, please call in and let us know what you thought of AEW's All Out. one seven three two eight hundred forty four twenty three. Long distance charges may apply. But if you search post wrestling on Skype, you can connect to us and call in absolutely free. So uh, do call in right now. We will be here. Try to take as many of your calls as possible. Shall we uh, go to the forum to see what our audience thought? Yes. On a scale of 1 to 10, our forum gave this a 7.42. Good good rating. We start off with AJ from Pennsylvania. Tonight was probably the best AEW show so far. Love the production upgrades all around, especially when it came to the entrance videos. Such a completely different feel. The commentary was much better tonight as well. Golden Boy is a perfect fit for this team and a definite improvement over Alex Marvez. I like what they're doing with Kenny Omega and it should be fun to see how his story progresses. These are the storylines that will help AEW grow. Personal grudges like Cody versus Spears are relate and relatable match-based stories like a main eventer going through a rut and losing streak. Excited for October and he gives us 8.5 out of 10. We go to Sean from Toronto who says it was a solid show that there were no real surprises other than Pac beating Omega clean and the LAX debut. I'm incredibly tired so I'll just leave my feedback at that. All right. Well, we can appreciate that. Uh, MJ from NJ main event suffered from insanity from the rest of the card. And I don't mean that as a full on compliment. Buying stock in Orange Cassidy, MJF, Joey Janela as guys with tons of charisma, the Jurassic Express as a group will have a cult following, Darby Allen, Darby Allen as a future underdog babyface. Selling stock in overbooked matches that took too long to develop, tricks from the 90s such as Blade Jobs and Jim Ross ever being competent to call a full four-hour show. For the safety of fans and performers, can we set the guardrail back a bit? I'm sure Scrump won't mind being five feet further from ringside. Is this AJ's new like stockbroker gimmick? He's got or, or MJ MJ's new stockbroker gimmick. I don't know. It's a uh, message board. Instead of a librarian, we've got the stock market analyst. Uh, let's go to our first call, Hanzi. What's up? Yo, what's going on, guys? How are you? Very well. What do you think of all elite wrestling's all out? Well, um, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it back again to, to uh, tomorrow. But initially, um, 
some I, I overall I thought it was a decent show, but I thought some of the matches dragged a little bit. I thought some of the crowd reactions were kind of dead in some aspects. Um, but overall, I did enjoy it. Like even though I I, I was talking about on Twitter that I, I I'm kind of getting sick of seeing Lucha Bros versus the Young Bucks. But even though the matches are insane, and that's probably my favorite match. On the, on the card. Um, I'm glad Jericho... Uh, I, I wasn't mad that Jericho went over. Cause I think that when you uh, put an inaugural world champion, I like that they have somebody that's been established already. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I, I wouldn't have been... I wouldn't have minded if Adam Page won, but I was glad that Jericho won it. Even though there might be people who might complain, oh, you're putting on an old guy, but... Uh, I think it's fine with Jericho being, you know, it, just, it, it adds more prestige to it, in my opinion. But I will say this: that I I watched um a um NXT. I thought that I thought the NXT show actually blew it away. Um, I just think Walter and Dunn was probably one of the my favorite matches probably I've seen Walter all and of Bate. this year. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Walter and Bate, my bad, my bad. And uh, Cesaro doing the, you know, the. He broke his streak of doing the swings with the yes. forty. So I, Paul, like, I don't know if it, 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 before I go, I don't know how much information you might have on this. But do, um, do you think Cesaro might do a couple of NXT UK dates? Because I would actually think that if he goes to NXT UK for a couple of dates, it might actually like rejuvenate him a little bit more. I, I, I like, I want to see Walter versus Cesaro. Basically, I don't know if, if you know anything about that or anything. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about him doing anything beyond this as as a one-off. So we'll see if it's something much like Finn Balor did at the last uh, UK takeover. I, I can't imagine that they would take a Cesaro who's a, a solid, like, middle-of-the-card guy on the main roster and put him there. But I, I don't see any problem that when they're doing tapings, throwing a guy over there to do a few matches, and then that that's it. Doesn't have to be a permanent member of, of the roster. Um uh, they kind of just left it as just a one-off off here, but I think that they're you're you're open that you could do something like that for sure. All right, yeah, that's fine. I'll, just, I'll, I'll let you guys go. I know you guys have other callers, but uh, again, uh, guys, good work. Uh, I, I enjoyed the show. All right, man, take it easy. Thanks a lot, Hansi. Thank you, Hansi. All right, and we'll continue to take your calls uh, if you are calling in and want to discuss any of the shows that went down on Saturday. We go to Gerard, who says another great show, and the production was nicely improved. Thought that the three-way sucked the air out of the arena for a couple of matches that were very good but deserved more heat. The Battle Royal was way better than that than on the last pay-per-view. Spears versus, Spears versus Cody was the weakest Cody match he has had so far. Lucha Brothers versus Young Bucks exceeded my expectations because I thought that feud was dragging on too long. Jericho versus Page exceeded my expectations as well, especially considering how long it went. This was Jericho's best match since his match against Naito at Wrestle Kingdom 13, and I thought the way they worked with the Judas effect into it looked a lot better than when he used it against Omega. 8 out of 10. Yeah, it's something to add about the production too because I know that was under such a microscope in last shows where, you know, you'd have throwing to things that weren't the proper elements and all like this was a broadcast that I didn't see any issues with. Like it was a pretty yeah. flawless broadcast. And yeah. the commentary not many people complaining about. And they ended on time. They ended on time. Everything it was a very smoothly run show. Yes. Uh from our from our vantage point. Connor from uh, New York City, or Connor in New York City from Ireland. 
I think it's fair to call it a good show, but it wasn't a great show in my opinion. It will be interesting to see how they find their rhythm once regular TV begins and they can't go to the surprise appearance after the match well as often. I mean, they hardly dined out on that tonight. They had one new team show up with LAX and Mm -hmm. the introduction of Orange Cassidy that people knew were there. A major positive is that it really does feel like they're trying to offer an alternative to WWE and not just beat them at their game. Uh, apparently in the post-fight scrum with uh, Paige, uh, Pac interrupted. So, so they're already doing angles in the scrum. A program. I don't like that. I think that there's a time to do angles. And if you're trying to be do, on the show, it, right? it should be on the show. And I feel that when you're doing the, the, like they're trying to present these scrums because it's like you would do in a typical sport. And I don't like when they try and make the media opportunities into, into angles and storylines. I just, I don't think that's the time and place for it myself. All right. We go to Jalen from Pickering who says, good show overall. Pac versus Omega was my match of the night. That finish was incredible. Tag team ladder matches are hit and miss for me. And this one was mostly a miss. Wow. I feel like both teams fall into the trap of trying to do crazy and, and, and innovative stuff before thinking about the story being told, especially when they face each other and even more so when there are ladders involved. The show flowed well for the most part. It had a solid variety to it and left us with things to look forward to for TV. Good stuff. Seven out of ten. Brandon from Oshawa. Great show. Tully Blanchard was was the star of the night for me. What a great manager this guy is going to be. If he continues in this role, I really want MJF to join up with Tully and Spears. Add in a tag team and you've got a new horseman. What do you guys see in the future for Luchasaurus? He's coming off as a massive future star right now, but do you think he drops this gimmick eventually? It doesn't feel like a guy called Luchasaurus should ever be a world champion. Um, I mean, should a guy named The Undertaker ever be world champion? Yeah, I think that they could very well build Luchasaurus as kind of that style of character and someone that, I mean, he's a tremendous talent and I think he's going to be so, so popular as they expand. So I'm I'm pretty high on him. I would certainly keep him as part of this tandem for like the next, I think, year or two, you know? Like, I think people look at somebody like, uh, anytime a big man is paired with a small man, everybody has eyes at the big man thinking when when is the right time to take him out? I, I think what makes him special as a big man is the fact that he's paired with Take a smaller guy. Take this gimmick guy. away from him, and it's like, okay, you're in a you're in a land he's of big guys. Just another guy. That so it's really athletic. But now he feels incredibly special. I would keep him in this team as long as they can, uh, because it helps elevate everybody, and most importantly, I think it protects him and helps him. Uh, who's who is it? Who's next? Uh, you're up, Andy. Andy. Oh, Andy from North Carolina says. This was the first AEW show I've watched, and I was very entertained. The Cody Spears match was my favorite for its pace and in-ring storytelling. I also liked Pac and Omega and the Joshi match. I'm not usually a fan of gimmick matches, but I thought the death match and ladder match were both fun. How long before Cracker Barrel issues a statement distancing the company from that match? I think they're ecstatic. I am i don't think they had any issue with this at all. Uh, they've worked with AEW in the past, and the fact that they were attached to these three people, I think they knew exactly what was going to be uh, expected here. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, they have the crowd chanting Cracker Barrel, and I can't imagine them being too disappointed about something like that. We continue on with the feedback and go to Nathan from Wisconsin. I was fortunate enough to be at the event tonight. Really solid card from top to bottom. Merchandise lines were so long, I missed the entire Battle Royal. I think the two best matches to be in the crowd live were for the Cracker Barrel match and the Phenomenal Ladder match. Very solid 8 out of 10 show. Cody came out after the show and thanked the crowd. He brought out Tony Khan who said he wanted to make All Out an annual tradition in Illinois. 
And I think that they're going to continue this. Every Labor Day, I imagine they will run uh, Chicago. Mm -hmm. Cody mentioned in the panel that they're going to do the Sears Center in November and then kind of hinted that after that, they might look at the United Center in Chicago. Okay, interesting. So we got our next phone call here. Caller, you're on the air with Post Wrestling. What's up? Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, how's it going? Ah, pretty good. B Detroit here. Hey, B Detroit. What'd you think? Hey, what's up, guys? What'd you think of all, all out? (laughs) Um, all I was okay, I guess, you know, like it wasn't, um, up to the height that it was supposed to be, but like some of the spots, like pretty like, got to me, like when the young bucks hit like that double face buster up the ladder, I guess it was, it was a double cutter. Yeah. Double it was like kind of hokey. It was kind of hokey. Then a double spear to the, uh, to the tables. It's kind of hokey too, but I guess I'm just being picky. I don't what, know. What, what type of wrestling would you say you typically are, are the biggest type of fan of? Uh, everything. I literally watched all the wrestling today. Uh huh. And um, your and page twenty. What was your favorite what was thing? That? What was the favorite thing you saw today? Uh, Walter and uh, Tyler Bate was the best match of the day. Right on. Any other thoughts Pretty on? Pretty much on just on yeah, just yeah. Yeah, uh, Chris Jericho winning the belt. Uh, I don't know where I stand with that. Um, <laughs> he's looking kind of gassed. You know, it's my favorite wrestler of all time. But I I don't know how I feel about him holding the belt right now. I mean I get having a, a big name holding the belt going into the first show, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I think Omega should have a better record than what he has tonight, and he should have the belt. I think ultimately Omega is the big the big chase, and you know eventually they will get there. I mean the reason uh, Omega losing to Jericho at double or nothing, I think that ultimately that will be uh, a loss he avenges. But I think they're gonna you know it. To put the title on Omega immediately, where do you go from that? I think that they're going to make Omega a long chase story. Not all that different from what they had been doing uh, with Tanahashi kind of in the G1. Like, he's he's going through the slump and then had a big win today. Part of me wonders, like, how much they care about the optics of, like, having one of the the executive vice presidents as your first champion right away. You know? Absolutely. I wonder. I wonder if they care about that. But who's complaining about that? It's somebody would. I think the audience that, would. that is your most dedicated audience are like the only ones uh, that would be upset with that. I I don't think I mean, that, but that, that is much of an issue. I think they would expect us to already feel like he should have the belt anyway, so it'd be fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's sort of the other thing where like I, you can argue none of those guys really need the belts. You know, if you're part of the elite, you're kind of like already at that level. Paige obviously would be somebody who would be kind of different, uh, and. You know, who knows if at the beginning, like when they set out to have this main event, whether or not they decided Jericho would be the one to go over or if they actually considered Hangman Page as the person to win this match. But um, I I believe that Jericho was the right choice given these two. Well, okay. Well, I guess you're right. Way. <laughs> uh, all right. Any other thoughts, B Detroit, on any of the things you saw today? Um, anything, uh, well, my main thing is, like, can they get these tag teams over a little bit better? I mean, Dark Order, I kind of like it, but I don't know if I like the Creepers so much. I mean, those guys are really, really good. I love the Fatality. Like, that's one of my favorite tag team moves right now. So I mean, Dark I mean, Order's just... a really talented team. I think they're just, they're in a, they're in a, a gimmick right now that has not clicked, and it's, uh, it's kind of the opposite of what I said earlier about, uh, this is one where I think they are very much fighting the current and just continuing to try and go with this character but uh, they're two really solid tag wrestlers and i i don't really question themselves it's more so the characters that they're portraying right now that just are not working i would like to see them as baby faces honestly yeah or like 
just that don't take to themselves them. that seriously. You know, the right. Halloween thing, I think, is just not really working. But hey, it be Detroit. Thank you for the call. No problem, guys. Have, Have a good, good night. Take care. Um, you know, I put out a poll way about what was the best wrestling card on Saturday and our results here. I know you haven't seen them all, so I won't make you guess. But uh, 12% voted for New Japan's Royal Quest. Is is there like an asterisk asking if people saw all the shows? Well, I'm just asking what the best wrestling card was. So okay. I'm presuming there's probably not many that watched all of them. But okay, I'm still curious. I'm still curious. Twelve percent voted for New Japan. Thirty-three percent for NXT UK. Fifty-five percent said All Out. Okay, interesting, interesting, very interesting. Uh, let's go to our next caller. You're on the line. What's up? Hi. Good evening. Hello. Oh my. Oh, oh crazy. Is this uh? Dash from Nunavut or wherever you're supposed to be from. It's Dakota, man. That was a good email, man. You short, short. Dakota, Dakota from Nunavut. (laughs) How much did you love it when John did not catch on? (laughs) He was excited to hear from. He was excited to hear from a guy from that far out in the Canadian (laughs) world. Shall we even ask you what you thought of All Out, or sh- do you just want to laugh for the next oh, good, 30 ask, seconds? Ask did did you watch any wrestling today? I, I watched All Out, yes. And then I had, uh, and I caught a little bit of uh, you, uh, that, that NXT show. It was pretty cool. See, look, I can be serious. Look, if you ask me something, I, I You know what? I, I don't think I want you to be serious, Brandon. I, I, it wouldn't <laughs> be right. You know, I want you to, to just be you. You want me to live the gimmick like MJF? <laughs> yeah. Except I'm not an asshole. I'm 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 a, I'm a pretty goofy Jerseyite. All right, fine, be that way. But yeah, um, <laughs> let me ask you a question. Um, Hangman Page, what is his rank in the in the rank and file of CEOs and and uh, committee members in 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 at AEW? Is he like chairman of the board? He's not chairman of the board. He sits on the table. But would he be um, like CFO? Are you, are you asking this like jokingly or or, or like his actual title? Well, yeah, yeah, as far I, as I'm was, aware, he's just a contract guy. Like he does, yeah. he doesn't have any specific title or anything like that. He's just another guy under contract. He doesn't have any stake in the in the company or nothing. He's just no, like none of the guys. Cody and the Bucks, none of them have uh, an ownership in this company. It's all the cons that have the ownership. So they have executive titles, but none of them have equity in the company. Really? Yeah. Don't you think it's kind of weird, or do you think it's just... It was it's not really. Just I mean, they're... I'm sure they're getting compensated fairly. They are. Um, I I'm I certainly was thinking that those guys would, would try and get something. Um, uh, a percentage or two. But well, they're not you, the ones that are funding this, so yeah. that's, that's how ownership works. How do we know that they didn't try? I'm no. sure they... they but, I think you'd be crazy not to try. Mm-hmm. But they have major say. But I mean, Tony Khan is is is, is the coup de gras. I mean, but the the coup de gras. I mean, <laughs> he's the, the coup, coup de, de guy. <laughs> yeah, that too, man. Uh, you know, as far as like Page goes, I'm sure he's he's got some level of influence, considering he's friends with you know with with the people there. But um, I don't. I, I mean, they're I, building I him as the yeah as the face of uh, I guess the th- the future of the of the company, right? He's the future. I wouldn't say they're building him as the face. I think they're trying to build him as one of the faces. I mean, he lost tonight. Uh, it tells me that he probably won't be champion for a little bit. They are going to do a bit of a a, a build, I would say, before he becomes the face. 
do you think do you think that a future would have been tonight if the build was better? I kind of thought the build yeah. was kind of yeah, um, I, I I totally agree with you. I think they could have done a way better job building his character. I mean, even like something as small as like I watched the the BT mailbag that the the, the several of them did, mm-hmm. and like having Hangman Page sit to the side rather than like you know be in the middle and being treated like you know he was like the guy competing for your world title the next day. I think that goes a long way. To me, I think the whole world still sees Page as sort of like side character right now to you know Kenny, Cody, and the Bucks. I mean, because he's had some great matches before, I mean, the layoff before they started. I mean, you remember him at the G1 and yep. stuff like that? He was awful. And, like, I don't know, it's kind of, uh, he's been meh. I think he's at a, I mean, a, a good level, actually. You know, I, maybe it was a bit much to expect somebody to jump from, like, kind of that, like, I don't want to say rookie, but, like, kind of, like, you know, mid-card level all the way to the very top in one one move. Uh, certainly with, like, the layoff he's had this year, it hasn't really helped. Um, you know, like if he was in the G1 this year, I, I feel like his stock would, would still be way hotter. Um, but I, I, de- I, I agree that they could have done a much better job building him for, for this match. And one more thing before I, one more thing before I get out of here. Uh, making Omega the sympathetic baby face or whatever, the build. Do you think you think it's, it's wise or do you think he, he, he could have been – you think it could have been uh, – I don't know. I, I, I'll, he would have looked better, better as a champion. I don't know. But, or maybe that's too soon. I don't know. Uh, Omega, Omega, and who? I, I'm just talking about his build in general to probably being the champion. Like, do you think? Oh. I mean, do you think it's kind of doing Daniel Bryan thing? Is kind of being the sympathetic figure of losing? I, I don't know. I'm not feeling it. But that's all I got. I'm out of here. All right. Thanks a thanks, lot, Brandon. Brandon. Um, no, with Kenny Omega, I, I I don't mind it the way they've got it right now. I think you've you've kind of put him in this situation that I think it's it's something they they've done with, with Tanahashi and it's worked out really well you, where you've put him in these, these kinds of situations. And I think ultimately Kenny can be, I mean, Kenny needs to be a top guy for this company to be very successful. So I think they absolutely know that. And I think he's going to be a top guy. If him and John Moxley are on that next pay-per-view, that's going to be one of, if not the most featured matches on that show. So I think that he's going to be in a very protected spot and if you understand the value of wins and losses, I think you can tell stories where someone can can lose and and it's not uh, it's not pigeonholing someone in a in a certain role. And I I don't think Omega will will fall to that. So that said, do you think if and when he faces John Moxley, he loses that one too? Um, it depends how fast you want to go back to him and Jericho. That might be something that they're looking to do in the first half of next year. Jericho's going to need challengers. It's curious wh- where. Jericho goes out of this as well. Right. If they're looking at that as a program for early next year, then it's only going to be one match. Then maybe he should beat Moxley. It's a good question. Return. Wondering who Jericho faces. Yeah, I don't see them going back to Hangman this quickly. I think that you're going to have to establish another babyface. Cody? Cody's there. I mean, you have to look at these shows where it's like the winners and losers mean something. Yeah, who so can headline? Presumably, yeah, you want a winner. And it could be Cody. Cody's been like this program that they've had him and Jericho on the back burner. Right. And maybe they heat that up once they go to television. And you have the natural backdrop of Cody being front and center and Jericho wanting all the credit once they're on TV. So mm-hmm. that's that's a way you could go. We got a Hochi from Chicago who says, All Out was an incredible live experience. My highlights... Crowd being legit surprised by Pac beating Omega. It will be interesting to see the redemption arc Kenny will have. That ladder match was wild to see in person. I hope everybody involved is okay. 
Cody is on this incredible streak of making every match matter. The live reaction for him was next level. Ken from the internet. Good show tonight. I thought it was an entertaining approach for Jim Ross to commentate. Uh, okay, so he's going on here about yelling at Kenny for telegraphing his next moves, calling Pac a dumb bastard for not pinning after a big move, talking about his barbecue sauce, and so on. I kind of liked it. It was weird but entertaining. The post-show was strange. The camera crew followed Jericho backstage as he flaunted his title all the way to the champagne room until, for some reason, they cut to Alex Marvez and Excalibur suddenly. It was a bit jarring. They would then go to Hangman's post-match scrum only to not have a mic on him. You couldn't hear him at all. And then Pac came to start that program. At least that's what I think, since again, no live microphone. Only for them to go back to Jericho, where he was formally presented the title he had already been walking around with. Strange. I just saw a quote from Mr. Khan saying they accepted Kylie Ray's release. Was she hurt from an earlier event? I don't seem to recall. Good show. I think they still need to work on a few production details before the TNT show. Well, I would say if you're going to have your production snafus better to be on the youtube post show than on the broadcast because i really can't complain about anything on the broadcast uh, production wise uh yeah absolutely i i agree uh let's go to one last call here from jake jake from the windy city did you go to all out tonight yes and uh not only that uh, i was at the nosebleed seats for uh someone gave it to me for about uh, uh sold to me for about 80 dollars but also i was at the entire starcast events thursday friday saturday and for I, I had the platinum vip bracelet for about 250 dollars so i spent a hell of a lot of money this weekend and uh, yeah i just came just actually just came home from the janela from janela palooza the after party so and thank goodness i didn't drink a lot that night so <laughs> uh i want to hear about uh maybe some of your highlights from the weekend but specifically this joey janela what, what's it called janela palooza janela palooza <laughs> it's it, it was really funny it was just like it was joey janela and just a couple other uh comedians like just messing around like you know just having a few drinks uh to just entertain the entertain the guys and uh, just having a few joke stories on the road so they actually had like a uh like a a korean impersonator um trying to uh, try uh, wearing a jr hat if you can believe that a korean impersonator <laughs> yeah, yeah i don't know they like it, a korean was, jr he was he was called korean jim ross it was so weird <laughs> <laughs> all right Oh my goodness! Uh, uh, but other than that, other than that, sorry, we were saying no, no, no. Your thoughts on All Out, Jake? Oh yeah, it it was amazing. Um, I, I was going to go to All In uh, last year, but unfortunately, I was too late in doing some things. But good thing I went uh, this year. And uh, did you guys mention? Did you guys see the um the uh, the dark segments uh, after uh, uh, after the the show went off? We heard about them. We haven't seen them. Okay, yeah. So basically, Cody um, just went out for a few minutes uh, in the ring, uh, talked for a few minutes, um, saying uh, he was really uh, satisfied of what happened and uh, thankful for the fans. And also, uh, but he decided to um, bring out Tony Khan uh, to the ring. And uh, yeah, it was like, I, I believe that was Tony's first appearance uh, in an AEW ring, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, he just spoke for a couple minutes, very thankful, very humble. And it was re- he was really in good spirits. So uh, yeah, just uh, don't thank me at all uh we're looking forward to doing this um labor day he he wants to have a big presence in in chicago for uh, every uh every labor day actually so <laughs> that's what he said cool any other highlights from any of the the panels that you checked out this weekend the punk one uh the cm punk one was uh i would say the best uh, panel uh, overall so like he he's he was really at peace of um 
uh, after what happened like five years ago. He's told a lot of road stories, especially Kofi Kingston. And uh, and talking about the Harley race, uh, how much he meant to him as a mentor. Uh, I really like that one. Um, kind of a little emotional about that. So, uh, yeah, it was a really good one. And um, I really like uh, Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross talking about um, uh, their memories at Turner Broadcasting and then we saw um, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard making surprise appearances, and uh, it was a really good one. And also uh, MJF's panel, which is every dude when he came out, everybody was booing the shit out of him, and then everybody was heckling him all night long. And then, oh my gosh, it was he was just roasting everybody left and right. I mean, who? I mean, how? I mean, not surprisingly enough. So, <laughs> well, that's that sounds. Uh... Like it was, a, it was a wide array of different panels, but uh, from what I've gotten to see, like uh, a lot of different different voices, and it seemed that it was pretty well attended as well. Yeah, it was unfortunate that you guys uh, weren't there. I really missed you guys uh, this weekend, so uh, <laughs> hopefully I can meet you up, guys, uh, uh, anytime soon. So <laughs> I can say so. <laughs> well, they'll, they're going to run every single Labor Day, Jake, so maybe we'll see you sometime in the future. <laughs> All right. So thanks so much, guys, for this uh, live post. And uh, proud to be a subscriber, as I always said. Thank, Thank you very you, Jake. much, Jake. I appreciate that. All right. That is going to wrap up the show. So a very long day that has come to an end. Uh, Way, thank you, as always, for joining me. Yeah, likewise, John. Thank you. Thank you for all your hard work today. Uh, if you guys want post shows for... NXT TakeOver Cardiff and NJPW World Quest. Look out for the British Wrestling Experience, which should drop tomorrow at about 5 p.m. Eastern on our feeds. Yes. Um, and I'll probably ask them if they want to put it on our main feed sometime as well. All so, right. So yeah. you can uh, you can check that out with Martin, Benno, and Jamesy as well. Sunday, the final edition of Cruel Summer is dropping. WH Park and myself will be going through last year's G1 final between Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kota Ibushi. And if you want to go back, uh, you can go to our shows at postwrestling.com and go back. There's a tab there for Cruel Summer. And you can go all the way back to 1991, relive all of the finals of the G1. Uh, WH did a fantastic job amazing, doing amazing all job. of these yeah. uh, 20, 28. 28 shows he 28 did. 28 editions from guests like uh, uh, excellently, incredibly knowledgeable people such as John Pollock. Um, and Wei Ting. And Wei Ting. And, and uh, uh, just a bunch of people that we're, we're so honored to have on our network. Uh, great job from WH Park. Uh, a real accomplishment. Yeah. I'm going to miss that song. Yeah. It was part of my Saturday and Sunday mornings. <laughs> a very nice one so enjoy that while you can and uh, go back and watch all of them yes all right that's going to wrap us up so thank you to everyone for tuning in uh for our all-out post show uh after every aew and wwe show uh we do these live for our double double ice cap and espresso subscribers and we thank all of you for joining the post wrestling cafe and supporting post wrestling that is it for us thank you for tuning in and we'll speak with you on monday after raw <laughs>